0: Welcome back, Galactic Citizens. It's your boy, Kenneth McNulty, and Uh, Kyle Driscoll, here with the Just Two Not Brothers podcast. This is technically episode four, but our third book that we're covering, The New Rebellion. But before we get into this, you know our new bit, and you're going to love it, because you had one episode with it. It's the Spirits of the Force, a mixed drink you can make and enjoy the podcast with. Now, is it thematic with today's episode? No. Does it sound delicious? Yes. Yes. So today's uh, drink, so again, we'll have the full recipe here and, of course, in the description itself for the podcast. But if you're interested in making it, it's called the Qui-Gon Gin Singer. The Qui-Gon Gin is two ounces of Boylan Heritage Tonic Water, two ounces Old Forth Distillery Gin, or your choice of gin, and six ounces Banjo's Sweetly Tuned Cold brew Coffee and Garnish with a Lemon Peel. So that sounds, I mean, That fine. sounds good. That's no, I, I like the sound of that. I like that you have to garnish it. Yeah, it does have the, literally it says garnish. Unfortunately, uh, this one only has two stars for a rating, but I don't know who voted on it. So it may hey, be. Wait, the- I, hang on. No, dig into that. Who who downvoted our spirit of the week? So the best thing is uh, there's That's no, not nothing here. No, no discourse, nothing. Just one person. Wait. There's one comment but I have to log in to find out. It's hidden behind a login wall. So I'm sure maybe it's, I mean, Darth Maul has a drink on here. It's called like the Darth Mauled. So uh, maybe it's the case that Darth Maul wanted to, uh, let's say, just, you know, poke through there. Get a little stab. You know, add some insult to injury, but he already killed the guy. Why would he downvote his drink? He was because this drink didn't sense anything. So I don't sense anything. Honestly, communications disruption can mean only one thing. And that is, as I mentioned, we got a new book. So guys, get your drinks ready. Kyle, let's start running through what the uh, the new rebellion's all about. Yeah, so uh, we'll
1: you know we'll start off with some hard hitting facts here. Oh yeah. Uh, so uh, this book came out November first, nineteen ninety six. So actually, two years after both the previous books we already read, because they both came out in ninety no. four. Uh, chrono- in, in the chronology of the Star Wars universe, this play, uh, takes place two to three years after Crystal Star, which was the last book we read. Uh, and it's directly preceding the uh, Young Jedi Knight series, which is about uh, Jaina and Jason Solo as they train to become
0: Jedi Knights. Which you'll bring up an interesting point, I'm sure. But I had no idea a character from this had such a strong tie to that series. Yeah which, yep, well, that is also the floor true. is still yours.
1: Uh, we could definitely, well, I, I have a, a whole whole little section on, on that particular individual. Please, I have I, I no that. idea. This is just some fun foreshadowing like to do while the audience has no idea what we're talking about. It's great. Put your drinks in uh, hand. So this book was written by Christine Catherine Rush. And normally when I do this little uh, sort of background research segment on someone, uh, I'm usually able to kind of get a good, like, just get a good, I, you get a vibe check, right, of the yeah. author. I assume that she's also worked with Stephanie Meyer. She hasn't, actually. Um, bummer. I know, right? Only Dave Wolverton has that distinct pleasure.
0: Never forget. Uh-huh.
1: But she's kind of notable because she's kind of hard to track down because she's written under, like, six pseudonyms.
0: So is this a pseudonym or is this her actual no, name? No, that is her actual name. Interesting. So Star um, Wars the guy
1: changed pseudonyms depending on who her publisher was, the genre she was writing in. If she was collaborating with another author, um, like she has gone by Chris Nelscott for mystery novels, okay. um, Christine Grayson for romance. Uh, oh, as well, she also is not limited to, because everyone else we've covered up to this point has just been specifically either a sci-fi or a sci-fi fantasy writer. Yeah,
0: she has credited. written
1: in probably every, like, literary genre that I can think of outside of, like, strictly poetry. Magic realism. Oh, she has. Well, well magic, what do you mean
0: by magic realism? You know, like, A Hundred Years of Solitude, like, books like that. I, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, magic. I mean, it's almost hard to describe it. So I say, hey, maybe she has, but magic. You know what, listeners, this is your new favorite bit. Me reading what magic realism is, because even I can't explain it. It's, it's real. I, it's real. Are you talking about like urban fantasy? No, it sounds like that. And that's why I thought magic realism was. Took a book assignment, read 100 Years of Solitude, completely different. Uh, really like, started the rise in like the 60s and 70s. Um, <clears throat> magic realism, chiefly Latin American narrative st- strategy that is characterized by the matter-of-fact inclusion of fantastic or mythical elements in seemingly realistic fiction. So, like, there's a Sphinx in downtown New York but everything else is normal? It's... Well, Hundred Years of Solitude kind of takes the idea of, like, um imagine a city almost, like, tucked away. Like, not quite El Dorado, Mystic City level, but almost, like, they find this place that shouldn't exist. But life there seems so normal. And, they're like, there's, like, a weird, like, time dilation here. And, like, this level of, like, there's magic in the air. Things that shouldn't be real are, like, illusions materializing. But it, it just feels like a normal day in, like, you know, 1965 Argentina. So, it's weird. It's almost like the blending of the fantastic and the real, but nothing weird. so overt.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I, you know what? I guess I... Can't actually say if she has written magic realism.
0: Hey, you know what? But she <laughs> did write a book has. called
1: Hitler's Angel, which was a historical uh, mystery novel about Hitler's niece.
0: What? Yeah. yeah. I, can you read me the, just a real quick description? I, I need to know more. Uh, you, yeah. Say no more. Viewers, get ready. Uh, we this is research, important research into old uh, Christine's life, and I need to know what the hell. So, assumption-wise hitler's angel so it's a mystery novel about her trying to find out about her uncle or whatever um so it is
1: about uh apparently hitler's niece killed himself her herself in his apartment Okay. Uh, in munich
0: this is uh, at
1: least that's what be, uh, this is a historical fact apparently okay and um There was, like, it was called a suicide, but there was a lot of allegations of murder. But then right after that, Hitler rose to power, so it all got swept under the rug. And I guess uh, this book is about some old detective in the 90s who's, like, telling a reporter his story of how he was looking into it in the 30s. Huh.
0: Uh, But he was uh, a young... A young undercover P.I. Yeah, you P. I think it was like her investigating him as a fictional character had no idea that was a more steeped in history. So you know what? All right. Was that under a pseudonym or was that also Christine? Sure. Uh, I think it was under like Christine something. Amazing. I mean, I, I know authors do that for different genres to They themselves. But it's that many is wild.
1: Yeah. Like she has like a pseudonym as well. That's like, uh, you know, let me see if I can remember exactly what it was now. For when she's writing with uh, other authors. So like, for example, Sandy Schofield is when she writes specifically with Kevin J. Anderson.
0: What is the, I love that. Uh, what is the romance one? I got to know her romance pseudonym Because that one, it better be. Something uh, it is Christine Grayson. Okay, I'll take that. It's, you know what? I love it. Respectable, fun, still her name, mostly. I, um, not- she also <laughs> uses
1: Catherine Wesley. Huh. Uh, when she writes with Dean Wesley Smith.
0: So just kind of adopts, like, the middle name? Interesting choice. Yeah, it sounds like uh, she has many faces, or many names, but the same face. So at least we know, in terms of cross-genre, she's the most, I'd say, decorated in terms of writing the most, like, flavor of Yes, books, which so I does was going to that, into up, this that, that she is...
1: Oh, yeah. So uh, Hitler's angel, by the way, was under the name just Chris Rush. Chris Chris Rush. OK,
0: as in a K-R-I-S?
1: Uh, K-R-I-S. Yeah. R-U-S-C-H.
0: Still like her name. That's a cool nickname. So that works.
1: Yeah. And, you know, she she's been all over the board. She wrote a lot for Star Trek, as I think a lot of these authors uh, start somewhere. tended to do. Uh, she also wrote the movie novelization for the 2000 version of X-Men.
0: She did? I would be fascinated to read that. Holy crap. Did she put yeah. her actual name on that? Because if she did, she I, did. She, she's proud of it. I'm in.
1: Um, big money. And she, when it came to Star Wars, she wrote, interestingly enough, two things. That's
0: what I found. Like, a lot she of wrote, we deal with don't write that much in Star
1: Wars. It's true. Well, she only wrote one real novel. And I'm gonna I'm gonna preface that by saying the second one isn't really a real novel. Um, it is
0: the New Rebellion.
1: Hey, the New Rebellion isn't. No, a real, I, I,
0: it is a no its I was gonna say. So uh, you're saying alongside the New Rebellion, she's yes, read. Yes, she
1: read also uh, wrote the Diplomatic Corps ex- Corp ex- Entrance Exam. What? And it is a like trivia book. That is also an in-universe, t- like, tie-in. Yeah. Because the idea is you are, tr- like, training to become, uh, a- have a career in, like, the New Republic Diplo Corps. Uh, but to do this, you have to pass this entrance exam, and the entrance exam is all Star Wars questions.
0: Yeah, I mean, that, it's a cool thing to hash amongst uh, friends and also feel like it's a little bit of an RP. Slash let, me open ask RP.
1: You, uh, let me ask you a couple questions from the from the book, Kenny.
0: Yeah, you know what? I would like to think I'd be a good diplomat. I know a lot of things about planets, people, and I've seen Star Wars, so throw them at me. Uh, this, if you answer these questions, I'm about to give you four of them.
1: All right. You may, no, note, may have what it takes for the core.
0: Question. If I get all four of these correct, will you call me Grandmaster Kenneth for the rest
1: of the episode? Well, no, I mean, you're not becoming a Grandmaster of the Jedi Order. You, you become, like, ambassador. You could be ambassador. No, no. Gold. I know what I'm going to be. If I get these right, Luke
0: could take me in. I'll be Grandmaster.
1: I don't I don't think that's—it's not the Jedi Master entrance exam. It's the Diplo Corps entrance exam.
0: I know what I'm about. Grandmaster uh, Kenneth is almost ready. I'm sorry. Jedi Knight. <laughs> I'm about to become a Grandmaster.
1: Okay, well, there's there's four questions, so uh, are you ready? I'm ready. Uh, question one. Who flew the Millennium Falcon in the Battle of Endor?
0: Next question. Just <laughs> no, that's, we know um, that's uh, Lando. And of course, oh, we talk about that in Co-Pilot, Cause it's Lando and their favorite Celestian, who actually, in Celestian's in here, but not Neandub, who flies alongside him. That's true. Um,
1: do sand people always ride side by side?
0: I don't know. They walk in line to cover their numbers or hide them.
1: Okay. How many years... Well, okay. So the text says how many years Yoda trained a Jedi. I think it's supposed to say how many years did Yoda train Jedi?
0: I like know the phrasing is better cuz it almost sounds like Yoda, how long did he train himself? No, I think it's trying to ask how many years he trained a Jedi. Oh, well, that's okay. So I'm trying to think in terms of old canon. Like he so he was around 500 yeah, years in, the in 97. <laughs> So by the fifth movie, he's in his 900s. Um, we know that he's operational during the, like, 1,000 years of peace, that was, as it was called. And his species takes a long time to become mature. So, I, gosh, I'm just going to throw it out there and say, like, 500 years. they actually uh, have, like, an exact
1: number? I bet they do. Let me...
0: Because I'd say it's four to 500, but if I can't do a range, I would just say 500. Because even thinking about... I mean, gosh, probably more than that, though. It's got to be, like, 600. No, I'd even go. You know what? I'm, I'm going what big. Final answer. 700 years. 700.
1: 800 years.
0: I was closer than I thought I was going to be. Well, yeah. Well, he started right. at 100. He just People started. You already asleep. lost your title. I've gotten three out of four, though. Yeah, but you said you had to get all of them right. That's fair. I'm no grandmaster. I'll just be a diplomat. I'll accept that title.
1: Uh, your final question is, where do you find the restraining bolt located on a protocol Already,
0: oh, Isn't the chassis, the chest? I don't know. Is it that that's everything I've done? It's always the chassis. It's where you keep in mind. Screen. I don't actually know the answer to these. I
1: am reading them off the front
0: of the, Should the answers be in there. Oh, I don't I have the book. The I thought you said it was like a little, I extra, mean, I like, kind of wish I had this.
1: Week, actually, I wonder how much it is on Amazon. I yeah, Like 50 bucks.
0: I mean, You're I don't from Amazon. Christine's house, uh, but no, I think the restraining bolt is used within the chassis. I, I, at least as far as I've dealt with in games and whatnot. So uh, let, let me know if the answer is right. i'm ready for it or i'm willing to wait for it excuse me holy shit i know it's a pretty good reference
1: we could we could buy it used
0: right now for 250 $2. 250 buy it buy it do it pull the trigger people are listening to this not live but recorded that we're doing it honestly that could be a fun bit before every episode used. we really good I love very gently used books and we can read those are
1: intact and not marred by notes or highlighting the spine remains undamaged, but
0: may have some creases. I mean, it's because a diplomat had to study, so they did their work and I appreciate that. Honestly. Sure. You know what? Fuck it. Hell yeah. So, you know, I'm going to check the restraining bolt thing because I, I'm positive. I'm right, but still scared. I'm wrong. I want to see if I at least get a. Uh, you said you asked me what it was. What
1: four there
0: or five? Um, it. On a specifically
1: a, a uh, C three PO unit, like a protocol droid.
0: Again, my I, I, it's probably going to say the head, but I think it's the chassis. Force response signals. I know what that. Where do you put them? Uh. Well. They're usable. Oh, they, there's three. Uh fitted with a restraining bolt right in his chest. Yep, it's right in the end, knob in his chest. Got him. Nice. Got him. So you, so you were
1: hey. so right. So you got three out of four. So that's pretty I'll good.
0: Take three to four. Again, I'll take. I'll be a positive. You're not a, master, to be a but, diplomat. Uh, you know. You know what? That's fine. I'll accept it. But here's the real question for you. I've, I've, we've asked this before, and I'll, I'll flip the script. This is not ambassadorial. This is just a little uh, little bit of trivia, which, again, I have asked you before, so I'm sure you're going to remember. Uh, and you've also seen Star Wars. It's from the movies. So this is from Star Wars Trivial Pursuit. A few of our buddies uh, I actually had this question argued over it, because it is, well, we'll get to it. So, in Episode 6, when mm-hmm. Lando asks for assistance, which wings does he call in from the rebellion to help fight the Death Star? uh like the very beginning when he's like all wings are poured in you did it it's all i mean that that's was a trick question because he goes like red blue yellow all wings go in Or not red he goes like yellow green blue and then he yeah, just like says, gold's in there somewhere. yeah so he yells all but the idea is like he says like three of them so they're like oh no it's just gold uh green and like yellow wing right and it's like nah, it's all of them but i uh, so uh, look at, you're a star wars master you know in my book you're a grandmaster so oh wow well gee thanks
1: um, i we've be tangented really hard there to the point where I purchased a $6 book from 1997. Worth it. Uh, but uh, cause unfortunately the $2 copy was in poor condition. I don't know why. Yeah. I got a diplomat heavy use makes sense. Uh, so finally I'll wrap up this little research section with a little quote from Christine here uh, in 1998. She gave an interview with inner zone magazine. And the question was, why is it that your novels, the more time intensive projects, don't suffer because of your short fiction? And her answer was as follows, quote, because a novel is easy. It's not easy to write a novel, but a novel is, well, most of my novels come from my short stories. So actually the difficulty of creation happens in the short story, not the novel. Once the novel is in place, once I know what I'm going to write about, I don't have to go through the molding process. It's very difficult to describe, but I think if you think of it as working in clay, the short story is where I figure out what I'm going to make, whether I'm going to make a pot or an urn. And the novel is actually making it into a shape and putting the paint on it. But for short stories, I had already figured out for me what is the tough part, whether it's going to be a pot or an urn.
0: Wow, end so- quote looking. Uh, if we're looking for some old Grecian uh, historians here, Praxiteles, going there being a master sculptor. I mean, a very interesting approach, but, you know, it's kind of cool. Like, I like the idea that she world builds with the smaller stories and fleshes it out with a much longer novel. I mean, a novel I mean, look approach. look at this book. Oh, hoo-hoo. Bubba, Not I was like on the play, right? Yeah. For viewers' perspective, we're going to talk about the actual books. We always describe the actual cover which will be in a second but this is a 532 yes, page book the, the longest book by book far that you've read and i and i you know what i actually picked
1: that quote out of the i read a couple interviews with her which was interesting they were all from like the late 90s um which i'm surprised yes. i was able to find them but uh i picked that quote because i actually think it kind of makes sense then why she wrote 500 some pages of a
0: star wars novel because it's easy yeah because novels are easy yeah which i i love that but um that's what's so interesting about this, too, is um, kind of now that we're... Oh, I, I'm sorry. Do you have any more on the research? I don't want to no, dive into it.
1: No, I was, all we got left is uh, you take it away to the back of the book
0: and the cover. so All right. That's a perfect segue. So before we discuss more about what this book is, let's tell you what it's about. So first... If you can look it up on Google, and if not, you'll see in the actual podcast itself. You now are probably used to the fact each episode has the cover as its cover. So you'll see it. Uh, the New Rebellion has the classic like look we have for all of these, which is just pulled stills either from the film or some artist rendition that looked like it was just photoshopped in from something else. Um, but we have Luke looking out pretty much like he does in episode six, almost like episode four, but he's older in this like six. It's like looking toward the binary sunset that almost look of wonder, but definitely an older Luke at circa episode six uh leo or leia leo uh, leia here leia solo um definitely looks like she's from episode five you can almost see the white of like the uh, net or the like outfit she had on hoth Neko base so that almost looks like it was just pulled from there to me and then Han is just Han. He's just looking over soldier like Solo here, just staring at you. Um, and in the background, we have a huge skull, which ties to our main villain because he wears a death mask. We'll get to that. A lot of stormtroopers and just other things flying around. The big thing is the huge skull just looming behind. Yeah, you. looming. It's just it's big.
1: Which, to um, be fair, if you were to not know anything about this book. Right. So let's let's just let's think about this before we read the back. The symbolism here? Yeah, what are we thinking this book is about based on the title and the cover? So, before I read the back, and even the back
0: doesn't give you much but um looking at this I thought that was a metaphoric fall of the new rebellion showing or actually, sorry but the new republic um this new rebellion obviously Imperials are somebody coming to uh, crack and mar what was uh once dead or trying to create and kill this thing um or on the flip side it almost felt like a necromantic tie where it's like hey the ashes of the empire this old skulls with bastard rising the new rebellion so I could see that as like showing both the death of the uh, the new republic and the rising up of the old Empire that's kind of how I read into it Palpatine's like, Attican. this is the perfect ploy. I'll just wait 17
1: years after I'm dead, and then I won't come back for a third time, but I'll actually just... The New Republic will fall because I'll—I I'll, don't know, like I'll have some some guy run around with a skull. It'll
0: be great. It'll be great, Anakin. And can I? You—we're gonna—you know what? I have so many things to say about this man. But you gotta love the fact that yeah, the Emperor would be like, "We're, we're just gonna sit tight because this guy—he's like me." And that's the joke in this book. It's just the Emperor again. But he's not. He will remind you. Our main villain's like, "I'm not the Emperor." But every single allegory, tying and metaphor is just—even at the end, Luke's like, it sounds like the Emperor." It just sounds like the Emperor, gasping and grasping for uh, power the emperor so greedy, yeah we had the Emperor's greedy skull. wheezing i greedy, think was I, the, when I read that that was the words wild. used but um so the back the description of the book so here you guys go the new rebellion <clears throat> somewhere in the galaxy millions suddenly perish a disruption of the force so shocking it was felt by luke at his jedi academy and by leia on coruscant while Leia must deal with an assa- another assassination attempt, a <laughs> rumored plot against the New Republic, and allegations that Han Solo is involved, and other bullshit, Luke seeks out. It does say that Luke seeks out a former Jedi student who may hold the key to the mass destruction. But Bracchus, that's the guy, uh, is only the bait in a deadly trap set by a master of the dark side who is determined to rule as Emperor, not the Emperor. He's targeted Luke, Leia, and Han's Jedi children to die then billions will follow in a holocaust unequaled in galactic history because every single book has to escalate it further and they tried
1: yeah that brings up this whole thing a friend and i have about star wars numbers um we played a lot of swotor which is the uh, star wars the old republic mmo uh like yes. the massive multiplayer online game for those that are unfamiliar and uh in that in every like somewhat significant side quests are always talking about how like millions are die- dead or millions are going to die and you're like i get it this is a galaxy spanning game so like there is probably many billions of people in oh, yeah. the galaxy but like where are these numbers coming from how many people did i save like millions Wh- when Where? how many people live on this planet i mean like, it-
0: star wars numbers man if we're timed, like when I was playing through, you know, I, I mentioned my favorite game of all time. We're going through Jedi Outcast. Theoretically, I saved millions because if Dasan and Hethry did all their bullshit, they would kill and enslave millions. Uh, I just had Luke going, good job, bud. And I'm like, one person thanked me. That's the number I'm sticking with. So, I mean, Star Wars numbers are supposed to just be startling, but I mean, this book does play with numbers a lot and shows a lot of the super weapons actually or his weapon, I should say, doing stuff and killing millions. So we do see the consequence of those actions. The first time I've seen Star Wars numbers, I guess, actively showing themselves. But at the same time, it almost feels like an afterthought because people are like, I'm sad. Got to keep fighting. And he wipes out like three worlds, almost two and then half. Yeah. Yeah. So you're right. Star Wars numbers are always the case of we need to build the stakes up and it'll always be millions in a galaxy of. Really, trillions if you get to it. Um, not underwriting the fact that it's not a lot of people, but Star Wars just loves it. They, millions of lives need to be saved. And that is a huge point in this book that's brought up every chance it gets. Because remember, guys, if there's no super weapon, it ain't Star Wars. It's true. Uh, the only just, what you need what to makes. have a Star Wars anything is a super weapon.
1: And that's why the I Force. still theorize.
0: In the uh, back in courtship of Princess Leia, sorry, as gesturing behind me, viewers, you can't see me, <laughs> listeners. Um, is the fact they had that night net at the end when they're like, yeah, "Oh they're wait, like, wait we have used a super, super weapon. weapon yet?" Wrapped at the
1: beard at night. Yeah, could could Star it on have him? a super weapon? Was because is Waru himself a super?
0: Yeah, the weapon? idea is that he was giving Hethri the power to become literally a super weapon of the Force. So it's the idea that he's going to get infinite cosmic power. Yeah, to become but, but wasn't this guy
1: also doing that
0: but without waru i think you're realizing what star wars is (laughs) which is just a dark force user becoming the emperor again (laughs) that's that's the story going yeah we'll uh we'll
1: we'll get into that i have that in my in my list here but do you want to why don't you transition us into the the fresh
0: take okay so um i'm gonna do a fresh take just i i finished the book literally an hour before recording this so i i'm pretty fresh last 50 pages the ending i read and um i would say what is fascinating about this book, and I realize this by chapter two. This is one of those books in the Star Wars universe that is necessary, especially in, like you said, it came out ninety six year after Dark Forces. Just saying, um, it's so important because this is what I would call a nexus book. Uh, you mean cries- notable?
1: Hang on, notable Doom clone.
0: Uh, I'm Forces. sorry, notable Kyle Katarn launching pad for the most handsome, talented, incredible. Hey, Savage I Force I, and Force I heard user. the other day that John Carmack or
1: Cormac. I don't know the dude that invented Doom. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sent an email to the Lucas Arts dev team, and was like, after he See, played Dark Forces, was like, huh? I guess this is what people thought when they played Doom for the first time. I will Dark Forces
0: is not a perfect game.
1: No, no, I think he meant it as a compliment. I think he was
0: like, Okay, I I was going to say, I will defend it, though. That's what I was going to go into. But if he agreed, okay. I I read into that incorrectly. And I agree. It is a very, very good Doom clone. And I can go into it for a long time. But Kyle kicks ass. And I'm glad he agreed. So thank you, Doom guy, Mr. Cormac. Mm. Uh, but first take, again, this is what I call a Nexus book where it ties together every story beforehand to say these are all connected. Oh, Everything yeah. had an impact and whether it was shitty or not, we will mention every character, every major moment, and try to tie in so many proper nouns that if you knew nothing about Star Wars, I mean this book you cannot start with it. It'd make no sense. The story yeah, would and, connect but and, half the characters would yeah. not work. You're like, Who's Marge? Who's Talon Card? Who's this Nandreessen guy I keep hearing about? Like there's all well, this he, stuff. I don't like, know if he's ever shown up before this. No. But if but, you read some of Lando's stories, or at least knew some, I, I assume there's. when did Lando's books start coming out? Because I assume that some of Lando's adventures would have oh mentioned man. The Run, unless The Run Probably was also... around
1: at this finished. time. I'm trying to remember when that... Well, because I only read the anthology, so I didn't read yeah. the them when they were coming out individually.
0: So the point of that being that Lando's, you know, his story, we only knew from five of him also being a smuggler. We're getting more deep into what his past looked like and why these characters may be interested in him. And and there's a multitude of others. And, And it goes into a lot of stuff we know from the original series that ties in. They reference, you know, four, five and six, especially five and six a lot, because that's what these stories need to do. Cite the source material in their mind. And a lot of I remember Star Wars moments. So it is a Nexus book that ties it all together. It is too long it could be a hundred pages shorter a lot of repeated notes a lot of things that could have been trimmed up i believe and um she's great at writing short stories for what, we ter- what we're told so maybe shorting the novels a little bit again 530 pages no, but novels are easy they're easy though so i would say um the painted piece is very pretty i did like it it looks great this pot you want to use the pottery example great piece of pottery maybe a bit too much paint on it so i think they could have uh, yeah. shaved a little bit off there but overall the best one we've read by far now i agree with that um
1: You know, I was trying to remember what I remembered the first time I read it. And like I mentioned last podcast, I remember Lando swimming for his life.
0: That was a big part in this. You didn't say he was
1: in a pool Uh, the whole time,
0: but technically he was in it for a while.
1: Yeah, like there was like two chapters where he's not in the pool. And then one chapter at the end where he's not.
0: I have some comments Um, on that because it's it's actually just a very comical scene.
1: And I remember the X-Wing bomb plot. That would, that was all I remembered. So, like, I honestly really enjoyed this. It filled it was better than I remembered. It filled in a lot of the it's, gaps. I agree
0: that it was too long. Um, but I, I did tell my wife, though, yeah, it's actually fun. Like, I read this, I'm like, it's a oh, fun, yeah. it's a good Star Wars book. It is a good Star Wars story. She did a
1: fantastic job, I think, in, in creating what felt like a Star Wars adventure. More so, I will be honest, than the other two books we oh
0: but she was able to reference them in a way that made it feel like nostalgic. Like I did just read those. They're fresh in my mind, but she mentions Dathomir quite a few times. Like Han literally goes to the same casino that he bet one Dathomir. It's one of the first. There's another
1: scene where she's like, uh, where he runs into like an old flame again, kind of um or actually i don't think it was really an old flame I no, think she was into like, him he was never into her her name Sinewy i think he's Blue. like you weren't into me when i was younger and she's like i like a man who's married and has more experience and he's like uh, get, get like, away from me.
0: Don't touch me all right no. uh, And she has the same thing they both have to have someone coming after him so don't forget
1: yeah but uh then but then she's like how did you get your wife again did you win her another planet or whatever and it was yeah. like i read
0: that book I, there's also like there's a moment where um I mean we're gonna get into it, but they talk about something like uh, this gooey's disgusting substance. Like, it almost feels like I, when I touched Waru, and I was like, got him. And they mentioned, yeah, I was I like, need... man, we sure did touch Waru, didn't we? Yeah. Leia Leia mentions Hethry at one point talking about, you know, Empire wannabes. Like that's what Catherine did. Well, she did her research. A lot of these, I would argue, Dave, don't know if you ever saw Star Wars, but she read these books yeah, or at least read the Spark. It's, notes. Weird,
1: it's weird coming from Courtship of Princess Leia, where we're we're not it's still it. sure Dave Wolverton ever actually Saw Star Wars. Star Wars movie. He may have read uh, the synopsis. I would believe that he got the names. <laughs> yeah, I would believe that he like read. Uh, I don't know the back of the novelization or yeah. something. Yeah. Or like maybe okay, no, no. How about this? What if he like had a friend that saw Star Wars and then gave someone an elevator pitch. Yeah,
0: no, someone secondhand told him about the entire original trilogy, and he's like, I could write a book about that. And I believe they probably reached out to him because Star Wars is trying to build Credo. It was like, we need an accredited author who's going to help, like, Stephanie Meyer. Like, um, we can you write for us? He's like, sure. And he called us for like, what's Star Wars? And he's like, oh, I got you, Dave. And call, I'm sorry, he called his Talon card to give him information. He's like, Talon, what's the sitch? And Talon's like, don't don't call me in this number. I <laughs> hang yeah. out with RJ most of this book. But I show way. up at the very end. In a really big way, too. Like, in a pretty significant way. (laughs) So, uh, either way, like, I I think it sort of comes down to, though, is that she's able to bring in people like Mara Jade, the Asalamiri, Talon Card, and mention all these people that were in the books you read, including, you know, the Thrawn trilogy and quite a few others, um, and make it work. And also characters from the Young Jedi series, uh, Brachus and um, some other elements of the training on, we're not there for long, but Yavin 4. So, she did a lot she had a lot of weight in her shoulders a lot of work she had to do but for only coming out like what two three years after the others i mean like or yeah two it's impressive how much she covered oh yeah no i agree so Uh, first take then we both we liked it and i would agree uh there's definitely some stuff i had issue with and there's i was actually i was i don't know if i have enough for the weird and then the entire ending i'm like nah, i got weird i was waiting for the weird and i got some weird yeah, I have,
1: I have a little bit of weird. I don't, you know. I guess we need to summarize right now. I don't have any ugly, actually.
0: There's no ugly. I would argue there's no ugly. Um, yeah. I would say like, weird. There's two. There's some. There's a little.
1: There's some bad. There's some there's weird. Some there's a lot of good, but there's no ugly. There's nothing as ugly as what stood out in like courtship wow. and and crystal star.
0: Yeah, courtship. I mean, we literally had to give a warning at the beginning, and now the last two we haven't needed to, which is it shows improvement. It shows character development. Yeah, we really we we scraped the bottom of the barrel first which is important I like. and also like, chronologically made sense to start there and it worked out for us because again i still i, I thought you played this kyle when oh, i read, well, the you wrote both those books right off the bat i'm like did kyle know this tied like, so could, closely with them you could say that i was guided by the force which i will say We'll 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 finally launch into it after this viewers know we've been flirting with it but um this book much like the others just goes to show everybody would die without our favorite astromech r2d2 he literally (laughs) saves everyone in this without him it would have just failed he literally, and this time, we don't just hear our 2 leaving on Kersiah Station saying, like, be right back. And then just like, yeah, like, I'm going to go solve the plot. Like, like this, this time experiment. he's actually this just one, doing the plot the entire he gets book. gets to go to his head for the first time in a book. I got to, I mean, there's others, but the first time I've read Inside His Perspective. Same with Luke. The other two books, we hear people react to Luke. We actually got to be in Luke's head for a lot of this book. That's a unique experience I haven't had either, so... <laughs> Uh, usually people like how oh, he's a, a soldier. Like he's a God among men. What's he thinking? Luke's always thinking, God, how am I going to win? I'm just a loser. And I'm like, yeah, you're not. <laughs>
1: what, uh, what is the most common thing in the last, like 30 pages again? It's like, uh,
0: <clears throat> my favorite thing was is no any, ordinary man. man. Yeah. This yeah. book, Pause it so many times. Luke gets his shit kicked into this book. We're going oh, to go into yeah. it. But Luke, he goes through the I fucking At every single point, Luke spends most of this book hurt. Bleeding or burned. And you yeah. thought the, the wampa was bad? This it, nothing compared to this. This is like three times is worse. So like, every time he gets know, up. In, okay, so let's. I, I'm going to do a brief retrospective here of
1: Luke across these three novels. um one he okay, courtship he dies. He gets brought back by lizards and bushes. So right? yeah, but then, then he becomes <laughs> like force god for the yeah, last half of the book. last like quarter of the book, um and
0: but he but before that he's just kind of like there. No, he just he's there to say I'm gonna train his soldier because I have no other choice. He's soldier's like I don't mean like where's there's the force here. <laughs> I have to fight it. Which like hell yeah, dude go for it and of course be like um I, I can't date you and everyone there is like but you're, you're a hot you're a man from space and there's the force you're a, you're a wizard and he's like i know but <laughs> i'm taken by the force she's my wife
1: yeah Let's, and then
0: also in, speaking of mention this book
1: in crystal star uh he's just like weird the whole time and like kind of like lovesick, and just
0: yeah. piece of shit kind of like big sad and big angry because he's like this the quantum star is making me feel things and han's like cool can i have good local ale he's like no i'm gonna blame you for cheating on my sister and your wife and walks out and he's like i can never get a break <laughs> yeah and Ha's just like why am i here i don't understand but in this one he's actually the luke i wanted him to be um he and that's one thing i loved in the beginning he's like you know what i'm gonna do what i love to do and that's investigate i'm gonna dive into this use my force training my piloting abilities my insight to look into what's happening in this book and he does and well gets Kicked a lot, burned a lot, almost digested. Yeah, explode. so yeah,
1: like like we said, he he spends most of this book, and I guess we're kind of just getting into the plot synopsis now. Yeah, so let's
0: let's go into it. L- um, let's I think, start with Luke here
1: because Luke is the hero of this novel. I, I would say.
0: I would say him and Leia because Leia yes, does get private, Leia. So it's really the twins.
1: Um, but Luke spends ninety percent of it hurt. He's doing things while he's hurt. To be clear, it's yes. not like he's not, but like he's like blowing up. He gets eaten by a th- fucking two things. He yep. gets like his skin boiled off, but he gets fine. He, he it recovered. comes
0: down to it. It's the thing about Lucas. He's the one character they can beat the shit out of, but they know that they have the excuse of saying he'll live because he has the force. If that happened to Han, he would have died. Leia is still very adept in the force, but nowhere near his level. Yeah. So he's the one character they can just send through the ringer and he'll come out. Okay. Any lesser man would die. And again, like that line was comes up, no like, ordinary man. <laughs> it's it'll come up. Maybe it'll come up. But yeah, no, Luke really at the end, like it really comes down to, he's the force connections we know in this book, but we also have a lot of people like Leia still reacting to uh force influence from the beginning. Leia has a lightsaber in this book. She does. So at this point we've already, That means it is past the um, Tw- planet of twilight, what we talked about when she fights, um, um, Beldorian hut, and other creatures. Guy, yeah. Yeah. Beldorian the hut and others. So she's clearly built it, done, as she's mentioned, basic training, but didn't keep up with it. Just knows calming exercises and has the lightsaber, which is crucial in the end. Um because Luke, guess what, guys? loses his lightsaber. Don't tell anybody else. Everybody gets angry when that happens. Ben would never forgive him. Yeah, right. This weapon is your life. I hate it when he does that uh but so luke i would say at his core of this book is again an investigator um gets a shit rocked but really is the first person to really connect everything with the main villain and get to him because he finally after he like talks to him says oh shit this is one of my students um so which we'll get to but that that's his connection he has two students that are really big in this bracket as we were like uh mentioned and now kyle i think we've been broaching around the villain's name but i think it's time we give our pitch to how we pronounced it because so Dolph is his name. Dolph is his by, name name, yeah. Yeah, and he adopts a much older, like, ruthless leader on this world of Almania, like, a thousand or hundreds of years ago. He takes this name again to show that he's going to rewrite what's wrong with the New Republic and uh, build a new empire. And the name, I had three pronunciations and settled oh on one that was not correct, but just better in my mind. So I'm going to give you what I think it actually is, and we're going to go back and forth here. So Okay, all right. The way it's spelled, viewers, listeners, why I say viewers, is K-U-E-L-L-E-R. So I'm led to believe. Oh, it's K-R. To, it's K-U-E-L-L-E-R. It? Is there no R? No. Uh,
1: at the end. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So, I've been. It's kind of like uh, we had the crash. Oh, my God. Station. You got to be kidding me. So the R is at the end. I, I have been. I have I am
0: actually shook right now. Because if that's the case, I know how you're going to pronounce no, it. No, you're it's, right. It, but I know how I've you pronounce it. I've been wrong this whole time. <laughs> so were you I'm calling so him, wrong. Were you thinking it was crueler? I thought it was like Crueller. Kind yeah, of like Exactly. That's why I thought Cruella is how I think they want us to say it. And that's dumb. <laughs> Cruella is a weird name. So I thought cooler, which sounds dumber. And then what I settled on was just cooler. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense, but it was cooler in my head, literally. Also, right, no, dude, Co-Eller. the death mask, according to Google Images, looks nothing like death I,
1: mask on the front of the book.
0: I was gonna bring that up. That was the biggest thing. If you look up Queller, he looks nothing like he does in the book. The description doesn't even begin to broach. What he looks like, like he's on his. fucking from. Um, he looks like Zerg from the second Zurg? Toy Story. I was gonna page. say you're like a Power Rangers villain. He does. That's why I showed it to, when I showed it to a buddy of mine. I said, does he, does he look like, yeah, a super Sentai, like, you know, literally Power Rangers villain. And uh, yeah, he does not look like that at all. If you look him up on like Google, that is not how he appears in the book. So, um, so we'll say Queller that I think that that's easy enough because that's pretty much what we're doing. So Queller or Dolph, um, is the main villain of the book and he's the one that Luke is obviously going after, but his tie in with, uh, Leia's story is that as we told, she was uh, almost assassinated and pretty much finds out that he's tied into this plot, trying to kill a lot of people and does to get their attention, to lure the twins there, to defeat them, to become the ultimate force user in the galaxy. His mind is if I can defeat the Skywalkers, I can rule everything. And Han goes to find out what's happening in Smuggler's Run, an old place he used to hang out in as a, you know, a young smuggler um, to see what's going on with the bombs that went off at the Senate hall, which we mentioned there's a, that's the assassination attempt and he gets his own subplot with Lando. Um, there's also a crap ton of other characters who get their own subplots mixed into this, but that's like a very, very basic overview, which we can now dive deeper into. So do we just want to do our classic walking? Yeah. Through?
1: Yeah. So let, you know, you start off um, with, if I remember correctly, I think it starts off with the bomb.
0: Yes, it's Leia literally with Mon Mothma saying like, "Hey, um, we just had. We found out that we had to like cede some seats to some ex-Imperial senators. They got voted in fairly, as yeah, they democratically. They,
1: which is yeah. an interesting premise, right? Like, yes. Th- and there's some gray ground here too. It's not as though these are like formal Imperial officers or whatever. They make it clear were, that like no stormtroopers or like Imperial level power Eddie, yeah, yeah, can, hold any can can run. But, like, if you were a local politician who, like, collaborated
0: with the Empire, you're still – you're allowed to join the Senate now. The posit was, like, it's the idea that they served under them to preserve their people because they joined in to protect them. Otherwise, they'd be invading so – Basically, like, North. Vichy
1: France. Yeah, that yes. was their argument of saying like –
0: France. Yeah, we are operating because we have no other choice, and because we're so close to the core or like the mid rim that we have to do this. And Leia's like, "Ah, it still sounds imperial to me." And they're like, "Well, we didn't have a choice." And she's like, "Did you?" And that's where a lot of the contention is growing. And she's like, "I don't trust these. I don't trust these ex imperials." And Mon Mothma's like, "Yeah, kind of imperials. I mean, you'll be fine out there." She's like, "Mon Mothma, what do you mean?" She's like, "Just don't make it weird. If you make it more divisive now, it'll be terrible." Uh, spoiler alert: Leia makes it weird multiple times. <laughs> oh yeah, she lays into him. <laughs> so uh,
1: and Mothma's always just like dude, chill. And Leia's like, I can't chill. I fought for the rebellion. And Mama's like, oh, yeah. I did
0: too? Yeah, I literally, I she points out so many times that like, I'm the one who helped. I talked to everybody who disagreed at all points because nobody in the rebellion could always get along either. And I oversaw all of this and brought us together and helped build this government. I think I know what I'm talking about. Leia's like, listen here, no. And she kicks the doors down and then, Pretty much right, immediately bombs go off in the Senate Hall. The old yeah. Imperial Senate Hall, that um, ancient place here on, like, a uh, part of the New Republic, but then really refurbished by the Emperor. Uh, they point out multiple times that the Emperor had his own sitting rooms, his seeing rooms, and lavish halls. It sounds like Versailles. And he just went in there like, again, I want to get a foot bath. Would that be weird if I had a foot bath in here with a really nice filigree and make it look nice? Like, I, I want to make it a nice Imperial Palace. Yeah.
1: And, and you know, and something that's interesting, too, is that they... Again, this came out in 97, so before episode one, before you learn more about Palpatine's rise to power, I guess, like, canonically. And so this posits, and it comes up multiple times in this book, about how Palpatine came to power. And it was, rather than he becoming Supreme Chancellor, I I don't think that they, that this book even infers the Supreme Chancellor as a position existed. Um, I think instead it was just, like, he was a senator— he basically like exploited factionalism in the senate and then like took ever took everything over and
0: declared himself yeah. like it was like a partisan victory where he was able to vote himself into yeah, yeah pretty, very very much like Nazi Germany yeah head as. of state and then he made himself yeah head chancellors we know now but emperor and like that i was gonna say that's really at its core what this book is it's saying this is how catherine's idea of how the emperor took over and i'll show you how it's possible so this is very much the rise of the empire if you will without the emperor but uh Kuehler really was the emperor so that's why that's a point i was gonna make after we sum this up is yeah it is just palpatine's rise to power without palpatine yeah
1: and um so han it meanwhile is meeting with an old buddy Jir- drill. Yeah, I or drill 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 yeah it's
0: g-a-r-r-i-l uh, from,
1: yeah from his like smuggling days and they're hanging out in the casino where he won dathomir um and he's being like me as the gm and anyone that's ever played under me in a dnd game where i'm just horribly cryptic and never actually giving you any real information um he's just doing that the whole time and han's like Listen, you gotta, gotta give me something here. And he's like, I can't do that solo. And he's like, oh, wow, why the hell am I here?
0: You know, and then I he do dies. love, though, the second that Jeril, before everything goes to shit, um, Jeril like makes a mention. She's like, oh, I'm sorry. You're just the consort of a now. Like, what? She's like trying to rein you in because you're a husband. And I haunt this book, much like in Crystal Star is just a loving dad and a loving yeah. husband. Yeah, he's He hot grabs so him by the of his neck and says, My wife works hard every day. I cook hot meals for her because I love her. Do you even know what love is, Jaril? His Nick like, throws him by his yeah. scruff and says, and he's like, something now bad about my Excuse wife. me.
1: I got to get back. My wife expects dinner on the and table. And I Kicks love it. I eat
0: it worse husband Han and I'm a stand for and as he gets angry and Jharil's pretty much saying like hey something big is going down I'm in too deep smugglers run which I mentioned he
1: just mentions there's a lot of money involved but also people are in danger and he's like being really cryptic
0: about it but not giving any answers because clearly he's nervous looking around and um, Han uh, as I mentioned like smugglers run is a place he said the run's not what it used to be and smugglers run is a haven for smugglers that no one else would go to even the emperor couldn't get in because it's just a bunch of it's a den of scum and villainy that uh, they've held out for hundreds of years just a bunch Asteroid belt where they can bring their um, contraband, sell, buy, hide out, and really live. And he's like, "Oh, the run's different. Things are going crazy. A lot of money's flowing through." And Han's like, "Nope." And like, walks away because he doesn't want to deal with that shit. And then the, he hears because yeah, you know
1: Han Han has reached the the apex of his character arc where he's just kind of like we saw in Crystal Star. You know, like he's he's a different man now. Like he's still Han Solo. He's still kind of that roguish, got that roguish charm, and he'll still uh you know do what needs to be done.
0: But he's He's a general, you know, he's a dad. He's, general he's a general solo. Yeah, he's, you know, if he had a Twitter profile, he'd be loving dad, husband, general, solo, but still hangs out with wookies. And he's like, hell yeah, dude. So he he is a, a caring man. And this book points out a lot how he was so different than other smugglers because he actually had a heart. Yeah, he, he was a like, conscience. I only found a heart because I stole it. And she was like, no, nah, you, I mean, Lando points out, buddy, you were always better than us because you made me feel bad about being myself. <laughs> so when I was around you, I felt like I wasn't being good enough. Um, But yeah, so Han hears the explosions, the Senate hall goes, oh fuck. And everyone starts losing their shit, runs out of the casino, Uh, takes a while to get there, but sees the smoke billowing out of the uh, Senate hall. And he's like, oh God, Leia's in there. My wife. he gets in there to see his wife and sees, I mean, body parts strewn about there. I mean, it's pretty graphic. People dead. A lot of bombs went off. A lot of targets like uh, hit and killed. Leia lives, but she goes deaf for a while because she was next to the explosion. One that's supposed to take her out and didn't. And uh, she, and to her credit, Leia's Leia. And she's like, I'm dying, but not on my watch. It goes in there, starts saving senators, like pretty much giving what life she had left to save them. And Han's like, you need to like take a nap. She's like, what? And then he like takes her out. So uh, yeah. he 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 manages to get her out of there before she collapses herself. A lot of senators died. Meanwhile, uh, on Yavin 4, which is the planet
1: that they launch from uh, in episode 4 to go fight the Death Star, Luke has set up a Jedi Academy. He's been running it now for a number of years. um, And he is, like, training some students when he feels the bombs go off. And he's balancing poor R2 in the air. And he just, like, fucking throws his he's, ass yeah he's yeah. gone <laughs> uh and you just like hear like whew, is like r2 goes flying off in the jungle and you know good old luke's like oh my god a disturbance in the forest i need to go to coruscant and you gotta love that. Immediately, Luke was like, kids,
0: fine, like, R2. I'm leaving. <laughs> yeah, R2's right? He's like, in you two, somewhere. go find my droid. I'm going. It's, you know, but very, it's cool. we very... we academy. We already had other books that did, but out of the three we read, this is the first that's not just a mention of Luke's on vacation because he wants to leave the forest kids at bay and, like, go party with Han at a smuggler station to find, you know, force users. This one is like, no, he's at the academy. He talks about a few of his students and then yeah, he, That's he, he all we get. he hadn't had but...
1: it set up in... Uh courtship yet yeah because he finds actually the stuff he needs to set it up in courtship and then he had it in crystal star but he he was on vacation it's worse vacation
0: am i right yeah but this time we get to hear the kids are like oh crap mr master skywalker he's like not now and then but luckily he does have um his second the one actually is part of kip duran's story and um crap what's his name uh he mentioned like one i i wrote yeah, a, there's a throwaway about
1: line about how he was like lando tries to call and he's like i've you know strix or whatever Stran was manning the comms and said he's gone yeah
0: that's right yeah so he's like another force sensitive that he ran into was able to bring to his side that watched the academy After so they do at least right saying hey he's doing he's watching it for me so at least right off the kids aren't just left alone and he goes to a corset and from there, uh, a lot of things start happening at once. Where uh, Leia's pretty much like, "Hey, we need to send the kids away." So Agent Winter, or just Winter, the nanny that they have, a very close friend of um, Leia, has been mentioned in multiple books. The one who helps really just raise uh, Jason, Jaina, and Anakin, the kids. Um, she's an old rebel, or agent, in rebellion uh, has a like a holographic memory so it's called in this out sort of you know photo memory. But um, she's the one who's like, "Yeah, I'll take the kids out to a Noth, get them safely wait or a hideout while you guys find out what's happening here." Takes the kids out because the kids also felt this disturbance of the force that um first occurred i should say even before like when the bombs were about to go off uh queller the main villain uh kills uh pretty much everybody on it's like Pydeer, deer right doesn't he actually wipe them out first and then does all this to get get that bad that terrifying feeling of the force and then the bomb goes off because remember, he wanted to give them despair first, so he killed. Yeah. Like, that's right. The exact amount of people. That very died much older. so,
1: yeah. uh, like Sephiroth
0: in yeah. the uh, Final Fantasy seven movie adaptation. Uh, shall I give you despair? Yeah, this, so he gave despair by we should have mentioned that earlier. Around the planet, he's on Almania. There's a very rich moon called uh, Pydeers, but how I was pronouncing it. And um, Pydir like has a lot of citizens on it, which he just uses his own super weapon to destroy them. And that's where that despair in the forest came in, distracted Luke, distracted Leia. She felt this before she walked in the Senate chamber, the kids felt it. And then the bombs go off immediately after. So you want to send them a message that, Hey, it's your boy Koeller. I'm in control. Something's going on. And then bombs. So it was a double whammy. So forest users really felt that uh, sinking feeling that something was wrong. And again, he tried to like, mimic exactly what happened on Alderaan. So it really gave this, This really really despairing feeling to or despair you're right to Leia and luke and that's why he ran to um coruscant especially after the bombs went off he felt more pain and he goes there helps pick apart the wreckage and starts doing his investigation after he finds out leia's okay the kids are okay han is okay you know emotionally not so but physically kind of and he's like all right well i'm gonna find out what's going on he he goes to the chamber the senate chamber and feels something familiar an old student of his and he feels brackish so, Bracus we mentioned was an old a student of Luke's at the academy. And we find out is left in a bit of a tiff because uh, Luke sensed darkness in him. And much like when Yoda in episode five is like, hmm, mess with this child, I should. He sends Luke in the dark cave to, you know, go face his darkest fears and like, face the dark side head on. And that's where, you know, he decapitates Vader, sees his face, sees that he could fall to the dark, questions himself, gets worried. That whole bit that we watched go down uh, in the movie that, you know, Luke was able to challenge, grapple with and overcome, Brachus fails. He goes into his own dark cave in Yavin and gets so terrified and blames Luke like, you're trying to scare me with the dark side and you don't think I'm good enough and I'm shook so he leaves yeah and, and he he's like I back. can't handle my internal darkness and he just fucks off yep so that was a big thing that um he leaves and that's why he's always blamed like Skywalker for trying to corrupt him further um, or at least try to like bend his mind in a dark way that's why he's so upset and praying out his emotions and Luke's like that's not any of what I was trying to do but he senses this student and knows that he's like okay he has something to do with this and that's where his investigation begins he goes off Coruscant to find what's going on but not before he meets a segment that I'm excited to get into a character, a very interesting one. Whose name is Cole, a far dreamer, Cole far dreamer and uh, and Cole Tatooine. Yes. Which I thought,
1: and this is interesting was um, our, our delightful author, uh, her name, whose name is Christine. Uh, I think it was Christine's way of saying that like the Skywalker name, because there wasn't any, Impetus for
0: that yet was actually like a tattooing cultural thing. And that's what I was gonna bring up. My Which I like, because I like that idea. I like it it makes it because far dreamer. I actually thought that no um, Nomi Sunrider, a dreamer. character from the old, like uh oh, I should say like old Republic and old canon. Um I was like, Oh, is she from Tatooine as well? Uh turns out she married into the name and her husband was not from Tatooine. But I was like, Okay, but that's a fun thing. So that's what I was gonna ask you, Kyle. Now that I've introduced Cole Far Dreamer, what would your name be if this was a cultural tattooing thing? Oh man. So I I got one picked out. If you need, if you need to like go off something, so uh, uh, L- L- long reacher. See, long. I was gonna do a uh, completely original idea, day tripper. So I was gonna do like a nice. uh, Jim Day Tripper. So Davey, go, from Davey long Reacher. Yeah, Davy Long Reacher, and yeah, and I'll be Doug. I'll be Doug. <laughs> Doug Day Tripper. So yeah, Doug we, Day uh, Doug we can fly. You know, a freighter anywhere. One of us is probably force sensitive, or both, and we will be found found by Luke and uh, be like, yeah. Hey, well, one of us is hand? a
1: pilot and one of us is a mechanic. So I'll
0: be the Force-sensitive mechanic. So I'll say that I find out when I'm trying to like, you know, fix something one day, I'm like, my rent started levitating. And then Luke just teleports in and he goes, hey, kid, you want to learn? And I'm like, oh, dark time. Master Skywalker. What are you doing here? I've always read about you on Tatooine, which that's what Cole, when he meets like Yeah, Cole
1: is like starstruck. He's like, my God, <laughs> you're Luke Skywalker. Like, I heard a bunch of stories about you growing up. Um, and you know what? To the credit of this book, People tell Cole because Cole dreams about being a hero. He dreams about being like Luke, which makes a lot of sense. You grow up on this fucking desert ass planet where you there's nothing really there.
0: Badass person outside of Jabba who's yeah. just
1: running
0: Incredible. everyone ragged. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, you're like, I'm going to look up to the one person that got out of here was super successful. Luke Skywalker. And everyone's like, don't do that. Luke was only successful because of the force. And, Cole has already had his character arc of being like I don't need the force to be successful like I'm yeah. a damn good mechanic I fix things and Yeah, his I'm mom like talks Fuck yeah
0: dude you're a stubborn fool don't leave and he's like I went to Anchorhead got a job learned how to like, fix up like starfighters and then left and then proved myself to Coruscant got a job like he went he just had that standard like he went through the whole blue collar work of just like I'm gonna show my worth and got it so and he, he's just working on Coruscant as a successful mechanic when Luke Skywalker walks up to him he's like oh that guy who's poster I have my wall probably because they actually mentioned that there's like collector's items and stickers that the kids have of all the heroes of the rebellion. So in canon, they do have merchandising. They mentioned that. So Luke's stickers exist, and I'm sure he has them. But he sees him and Luke's like, Hey, you're fixing my X Wing when I landed on here. What's going on? He goes, like, oh, every X-wing, Wedge Antilles, General Antilles. Um, he was supposed to um, like, you know, fix up all these X Wings, upgrade them, yada yada. He's like, Well, no. And he's like, "Uh, Mr. Skywalker, we need to upgrade these. He was like, No. Because the new upgrades remove the slot for Astro And he's like, If R2 doesn't go, you don't go. So he points at Cole and tells him to fix it and like bring his like fighter back to what it once was, so he doesn't have to get rid of R2 for these new targeting computers. And while he's working on that, Cole's like, cool, whatever. I mean, I'm not going to argue the Jedi master. I tried, but I'm just going to fail. Uh, so he starts fixing it up and Luke takes out one of the new X-Wing models and goes off to start finding out Brackus where he is and how he's tied to this quest. And Cole will be featured again soon. So Cole just, you know, we do the Lucas swipe. And this is where Han goes up to Leia and says, baby, I know a lot of stuff's happened here. This is my terrible, almost Elvis impersonation, but I'm Han. He's like, uh, you have to understand, princess. Or, I'm sorry, uh, you're your Royalness. He's like, I need to go check out the run. Cause Jaril was the only person to have left and then disappeared pretty much on the, his ship, the spicy lady. Let's not forget that. Uh, he leaves on the spicy lady, a hybrid X-wing and YT 1300 freighter uh, that are sorry, uh, a wing. So it's an A-wing and like YT 1300. He leaves and just disappears, but everything else, the planet's locked down because the bombings and he's like, well, he said something's wrong in the run. I think it's related to this bombing. I'm going to go back to my old buddies. And the fact that I'm now uh, you know, running legit, no longer running illegal stuff, haven't been there in like a decade and haven't talked to any of them. What could go wrong? And Leia's like all of it. And he's like, you're right. But I will say during that scene, when he's telling Leia, he has to go to the run, check things out, find out what's going on with Jarrill, all that business. There actually is a very interesting description of their relationship that I kind of, uh, I was like, this is interesting. Like I, I, it kind of brings together like what brought them, or kind of made them a couple And it's when uh, Leia like wrapped her arms around him. Let me get this actual wording here. Uh, So she says to Han as they're like in the bedchamber, pretty much hugging one last time before he leaves out to the stars and she deals with the aftermath of the setup being bombed. She says, don't you wish that just once we could live calmly and comfortably like normal people? Her voice was soft, almost a whisper. No, he said. He stepped back just far enough so he could see her face because if we had been normal people, we never would have met your highness. She laughed and kissed him kissed him deeply (laughs) so it's that idea that you know through strife they found each other but it's in those hard moments they're always able to support one another i'm like that's kind of i mean i like that scene it's very tender and a very it was cool for the like parting moment because they don't talk after that point until the very end
1: yeah yeah that is actually the only time really oh i'll save this for for later um let me actually make a quick note of it but um at this point, everyone kind of just starts doing their own things. Han goes to Smuggler's Run. Leia's dealing with politics there. Kolfar Dreamer and the
0: droids start investigating these yeah, new X-wings. X-Wings. They find, find out X-wings. there's bombs in Imperial bombs yeah. planted into every new one. Um, and that's still fucked up. And then
1: on top of all of this, Luke is like trying to figure out where Brockiss went. Um, and so he goes to a planet called Mist. M-S-S-T.
0: Mist, folks, write it down. Uh, that is, get this, covered in mist. And we find out where that mist comes from almost immediately upon Luke- uh-huh. Mike, By oh, the yeah. mist makers. They're literally fog machines, but floating jellyfish that stun and digest you.
1: Yeah. And, um... <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, that whole thing happens. Luke, like, gets his ass kicked. That's the first time Luke gets his ass kicked. I will say,
0: to his credit, a little anakin or you know the uh, solo anakin solo teaches him or really all the kids of um, how to defeat this thing when that darkness came in the first time after Pydir gets blown up by our blown up everyone dies on it and that really that huge like sadness in the forest much like what ben felt when Alderaan was destroyed came in they got rid of that bad feeling by as they put it making it warm they made a little hot like ball in the room pretty much like we saw they were able to do in crystal star and warded away that bad feeling so luke makes it hot and blows up the mist with like pretty much a hot force bomb and explodes it. But he still gets partially digested. Cause you know that you don't, know, it's still there with his digestive fluid. It's very gross. But yeah, that's yeah, the first ass kicking Luke gets, which is being almost digested by a jellyfish.
1: Yeah. And, um, he gets found by Brockus's mother Who'da thought? and she like nurses him back to health. And she's like, my son is evil. And Luke's like, I believe there's good in everyone. And she's like, no, like my son's Really he's evil. Pretty, like, he got abducted he, by the Empire as a kid,
0: like, he's indoctrinated. Fucked, Luke. And uh, I don't know if you is, could do anything. He literally brags about being an agent that infiltrated your academy and then left. And he's like, nah, I just sent him in the Dark Cave and he got really sad about it. And she's like, well, he's, he's an agent still, still works the Empire. And he's like, I don't know about that. And she's yeah, like, I'm really telling you, know you he is. is. And he's like, that ah, fu- likely story, miss. As he's like, getting his clothes back on, and she's like, you need to rest, man. You almost died. And he's like, he's I'll like, tell no you what Dad. <laughs> yeah. He's like, so, the pain means I'm starting to feel things again. And you're like, no ordinary man. Uh no ordinary man would say something Leon S. Kennedy would. There's no time for rest. There's no time for- <laughs> he, gets, he just leaves. But he gets yeah. he expositions the shit out of him that he's on Telty. A planet where I like, guess the last two years, um, or last like a major part of the last few years, I should say, um, the new republic started working with Telty, which is just a huge droid manufacturing moon. And uh from there, all the new droids have been being pumped out. And apparently Brackus is heading this facility, so Luke's like, oh, I'll talk to him. I mean, I'm sure he's still fine we will going get a little chat. So Luke heads on out to a Telty to go talk to him. And uh, while that's happening, as you'd imagine, Luke, or I'm sorry, Han gets the run. We'll kind of go to his, we'll do each story separately and kind of how they all get to the end. And uh, Leia's working with these partisan forces, Imperials, blaming Han for the explosion. Like we mentioned, uh, trying to keep the Senate together and failing um, constantly everywhere she goes. These other senators, um, like Maida and a few others of um, our, like our Betty um, are all like, Hey, we're Imperials now, or we're ex Imperials, like under them. And uh, we're going to just keep second guessing you because um, we need to build up some suspense, to the plot to make you think we're trying to take over. And she was like, no and tries to you know keep her loyal followers but at the end loses to a vote and saying that hey we have two investigations going and this one shows han did it and yours is inconclusive right now so we're gonna call emergency sessions throw shade on him and um they said pretty much we don't think Meanwhile, their
1: evidence for this is like thin as all hell
0: oh and Leia points it out but no one cares like well we can't disprove it like that's like it's like walking to a room and seeing an explosion being like kyle you did it because he wasn't in the room when it happened that's it. Not, That's to, it basically, <laughs> their their whole thing is they're like, we received a shady
1: transmission that just says, Solo's on board or something. You yeah, know, fireworks, the fireworks were successful.
0: spectacular. Solo's uh, on board for this mission, which Jeryl had actually had um, on a ship. It was sent out from him. And the reason they believe he did it is because that was sent out and mentioned Solo's name. And the only vessels to leave during the lockdown were Jeryl's and Han. So they're like, if they left. <sighs> so yeah, serious. like, you know, obviously everything's connected. Um,
1: which I think, and not to skip skip through this to the to our points, but that was a kind of weak part of the book for me. I felt like they just needed to add more t- political drama, and they're like, what could make Leia's life even harder than it already is right now? I know, like.
0: Throw Han under the bus. Partisan shit like that. I think the idea is, I I appreciate them trying to show how, again, the Emperor, like, would take over through this partisan support and getting enough, like, clout and control to just vote him in. And that's kind of what they're showing, how easy that can happen in Leia's greatest fears. Uh, But her arc is showing that she needs to help, even, like, their differences still work together than just try to create more divisiveness, which happens on both sides. But that, I know what they're doing is to try to show that even as shitty as they were, like they were going to grasp at any straw they could and uh, show that like, really what I read into that originally was that was, um, Kuehler, like feeding them information or his forces to give them what they need to take over. But by the end of the book, they're still senators and no one said they're tied to Kuehler themselves. So I was like, were they just literally thinking that's true? Cause the way they paint it, uh, the partisan forces here at the uh, Imperials really believe and are apologetic to Leia cause they really believe that Han did it. And I was like, Oh, it's cause Kuehler and the villains are helping them, but that never comes back. It's just a plot thread that just stops there, so we're led to believe these like senators really believe what they're seeing and really believe Han did it. It's not trying to make an imperial takeover. It's just like we think this is true, and we as a viewer or readers have to think that somehow it's tied to a bigger scheme. But unless you've read something in there that I didn't, I there was no connection. No, ever.
1: I I don't. They like, and that's why it's
0: kind of weak. You're yeah, right. Like it does. It if is it kind of like, cool, true.
1: You're right. Yeah, because there's just not really any indication that they had any role in this at all they were just kind of like being advantageous in the opportunity like in the moment you know they still
0: wanted to have more control of course because they like felt like they were the underdogs being like these ex-imperials that are going to have like you know a mark on their back because they were under the empire they did not support the empire now you know this is part of like uh leia's story arc of finding out that yeah again like i mentioned before even though we had differences and even though they were like capitulated to join the empire doesn't make them inherently evil. I should work with them instead of against them. But every senior, they're working against each other, which causes her to pretty much, I mean, she eventually resigns to go to Almania herself to deal with things. Yeah. So, and there's the this, she has to. Yeah.
1: And her, her whole thing is just more and more shit hitting the fan for Leia until eventually she has to resign because Kueller threatens her and everyone in her family. And so she's like, I'm going to go take care of that fucker. And Mon Mothma's like, go do it. And also, Wedge is coming with you.
0: <laughs> I was yeah. so happy
1: Wedge came. Uh, oh, and you get a fleet. Season.
0: And it was like, Yeah, uh, okay. by the way, here's like 30 vessels, three Mon Calamari, new Mon Calamari cruisers, B-wings, A-wings, but the X-wings have those bombs in them kind of fucked, so yeah, everything but our X-wings, attacks. But you like, got fires. everything else. Um, and so yeah, like, she leaves sure. Ackbar's support, Wedge is with her. She goes to Almania for the final fight. So we'll build up to their final fight moments because everyone ends it's up in Albania. Lando also is in this book. We'll get to him. on the We'll get to the run. So, I mean, we'll have um, to do, let's do Luke's story first, then we'll dive into Han and Lando, because that's a whole other... That's where the weird right really God. gets in for yeah, me. Yeah, so Luke... So uh, we get
1: land on Telty. That's where he's at right yeah, now. Yeah, he meets up with Bracchus on, on Telty. And honestly, nothing really happens in this encounter. Like he's just proving
0: Pretty much Bracchus yeah, tries to fight and says, a badass." too strong.
1: And Brock is just like, I knew I couldn't fight him. And then Luke is like, come back to the light side. And Brock is almost says yes. And then he's like, wait, I can't do that. That would be too convenient. And then he leaves. He's like, go to Almania. That's where the guy
0: you're looking for is. is, uh, That's all you're going to get from me. Because he he fights Luke and literally says, I'll keep defending. Which I want to bring up a very important point about Luke's character. And how he should be after episode six. Speaking of certain films that have come out recently. Episode eight. We are led to believe that Luke, in a moment of weakness, the new movies, seeing a forced vision of his nephew, as we know, Ben Solo in the new movies, being on falling to the dark side or doing something vile. He almost kills him in a moment of weakness, but snaps out of it immediately, all because of one vision. Luke watched Brackus turn to the dark side, fight him, hurt other people, and knows this Coelho guy, a student of his, killed millions and still tries to bring them back without hurting them because he's yeah. a good person. And he would not he enforce have he doesn't a moment attack. of weakness because yeah. he's a good man. He, that he shows is the of the uncorruptible. He so and yeah, even knowing people killed millions intentionally, he still reaches out. He's still like, uh, you know, Brackis, sorry about the forest cave thing, but not really sorry because you kind of failed it. But you can come back and try it again, bro. Talk to your mom. Uh, she says you're evil. I don't think so. I'm just going to defend with these lightsabers and tell you to come back. And he's so good hearted. He almost does it. Brachus is like any lesser man could not have done it, but he almost got me those those soft Skywalker yeah, no eyes. Ordinary man in. could have convinced me with his words. So I'm just saying that this is how his character should be. He's a paragon of justice. So, I mean, and he's very good at what he does. This is the Skywalker I wanted to see in the movies. That's what I wanted in 8. That's what I thought it would be, but here we are. So this is how he should have been. An important note as well. Um, I told, uh, I was talking to people about this beforehand. It kind of came to the conclusion. While brief, we do have a a newbie soldier in this book. In the respect that every single time somebody sees Brackus, they talk about how hot he is.
1: Yeah, just like, man. super attractive. Like,
0: you know, but, like, I guess that, like... Bootlicker kind of way, so not really that attractive. I... Yeah, but the thing is, like every time I talk, he's like, he's like Leia and everyone else. And they see him, and especially Cole later on. Luke is like, I forgot that he's kind of hot. Like every, like, yeah, he's 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 like you know, got this nice like appearance. The way he comes in, the way he holds himself, got like nice crisp kind of oh, so he's kind of charming. Yeah, he's like he's a really charming, kind of attractive guy, and uh, that's the first thing people know is like, oh, he's hot. Oh, he's force sensitive. Oh, he's a lightsaber, and that's kind of the progression yeah. it goes. yeah.
1: Time. They're like, ah, yes, the lightsaber on the it's hot right. man. Yeah, but I would say that he is not as hot as a soldier in that the author did not describe his like gray coastal eyes and his like hot (laughs) ass. Yeah, Dave Wolverton
0: did not write this book. No, but it's the idea that I I made the joke because he's the one character they consistently talk about how hot he is. And it's not often, but anytime he's in the scene, they always start off with, damn. And it happens like two or three times, but that's, you know, one more time than I expected. Does it, though? Kuweller. Oh, he he thinks he's like big. He thinks Fuck that Brack believes shit. he's big shit. But every yeah. time Brack is like, "I'm gonna fight back against or he's like, "Will you?" And he's like, oh, "Yeah, <laughs> he no, you will not. Uh, I, <laughs> I am a Power Rangers villain." I I was waiting for the description of that helmet. Again, look it up on Google. Look up K U E L L E. It's not what I would envision having read the text either. I. It's not even it's not even relatable. That's why I think there's a comic he appeared in where they just did something but it's I, I think it's from the anthology uh because they have the character the books, books. and i think that they it was so hard to draw what they describe the books which i want to have a section just for queller that's why i'm not fully going yeah, into him um right. and that's why they just said it didn't look as cool or it looked too spooky because honestly the way it's described is pretty terrifying and i agree that he did look fucking weird we'll get into it um, but anyways, he leaves Telty after Brax is like, Go to Almania. And he does, but first, Luke, when he gets there, he finds out that there's like a weird emptiness, the force, living things, like uh he should have been happy. Everything's
1: like dead, everything's
0: dead. Like, that
1: sucks. And he finds out that.
0: Yeah, Kuehler guy really did kill everybody as, yeah, his ship explodes because of one of the Imperial bombs in it. And Luke- On accident, scared, mind you. This was not intentional. Yeah, there's a very specific set of like things you have to do, which is manually taking control of landing, which when he does this, it just explodes. And Luke survives a- it's not as hilarious as landing a Daphne where he's bouncing around saying, like, I faked my death and just gets ricocheted around. Yeah, and then just like uh, Buddha meditates down. Down, Which would have been better. No, he, in a realistic fashion, explodes and fucking hits dirt. Like he's like, he covers himself in the forest to give him a protective barrier, but eats shit, gets his back burnt, torn up, and his, breaks his ankle and is like barely awake and has to go in and find what is called a Pyderian healing stick Yeah, bumping his back. So like he just yeah, so basically it, like, he has like yeah. a back scratcher. He's just back yeah. there, like, oh yeah, this is healing me. Like I'm yeah, doing it. He goes, it's a really sad moment where he goes in one of the, the houses with this completely deserted moon. And he's like, Hey, um, the, the 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 like home devices are this new advanced AI system. It's like, where are our masters? They've not come to us in some time. Do you know if they're okay? And Luke's like, Bro, they dead. And they were like, Oh. And this the systems, the actual like their appliances get sad. And then Luke's like, Where's yeah, the? Yeah, that'd be
1: like if you passed away and then your smart fridge was like where is master
0: tell me where is grandmaster kyle and he's like uh absent and he's like i'm sad here's the healing stick <laughs> so yeah. and then he heals Very himself. well. here is your ice and he gets captured by queller queller comes in ambushes him and because yeah Luke they have a there. very
1: brief lightsaber fight and then luke's like
0: ow my ankle and then queller and is gets, like aha <laughs> Darted back the deck, like a stormtrooper, like, like hits <laughs> yeah. him back the deck. Yeah. There's a stormtrooper in the window with like a fucking sleep dart, and he just. Yeah. <laughs> Because Luke is like, if I had my force sensitivity and hadn't been burned and crashed, uh, I might be able to stop this. And I'm like, any lesser man would have died. Yeah, no, but you know, any ordinary man would have died five minutes ago. Luke, it's fine. And they point that out. He's like, any lesser man would have died. I am no lesser man. He even makes his own splint and everything, man. Luke is ready to. Yeah. He's actually even
1: Koeller in that scene has a point where he's just like, they're like, Luke sees all these star troopers around him, and he's like, you need that many to take me down, huh? And then I think Queller's just like, well, you are no less ordinary man. You're yeah. Luke
0: Skywalker. And I do respect it about this book. Queller is very pragmatic in that he never underestimates Luke's power. That is one thing because he's trained under him. He always adds way more than he needs because he knows that. And Luke finds it very fun. Uh, so Luke gets captured and taken to Almania. So now two of our three are on Almania. Now let's go to the Buck Wild subplot with Han. Arguably the most shit happens here. And none of it's really plot relevant until the end. <laughs> Yeah. It's just a, it's really just one of those I don't think
1: we need to go that in depth to it. Basically, Han is having fun smuggler reunion times on Smugglers Run, trying to figure out what the
0: fuck happened to uh, Jeril. Jeril and his uh, sidekick, which I, quick tangent, and this is, I don't know why they did this. I think the I, one, the only research Christine didn't do was what a Celestin is. She described, so his sidekick, uh, Seleuce, the Celestin, funny. Um, so she if you remember, be like Lando Mando, in Return of the but Jedi. she describes a Chadra Fawn, the bat creatures. If you remember in episode four, in the beginning of the cantina scene, if you go in there, there's a little bat that's at the bar. Uh, that's a Chandra Fon. She describes this thing as having large ears, uh, small hairy fingers, and almost a bat-like snout. But then every once in a while mentions that it has a Celestian's face, and it's so inconsistent. I'm like, she's describing a Chadra Celestin. It's a mix of both. She Maybe there's a little a, hairy batty like creature. No. She keeps calling it a Celestian. She's You're just right. wrong. Right. <laughs> so I just, I read it and I'm like, she describes and, a, again, it. It and, and swirls and. away and it's hairy and weird. And I'm like, that's not even close to what a Celestian is. And she mentions it doesn't have its bald cap, its large mouth or anything. It's just a charger For
1: our <laughs> listeners' benefits, a Celestian is the creature that is Lando's co-pilot in episode six. The end of, as you so see,
0: that goes like, like, it has that kind of deeper yeah. voice. Like, even yeah,
1: that kind a lot.
0: And this she, is <laughs> Teddy and I making random noises to try and Yeah. But she mentions that this small bat-like creature chitters and speaks at high frequencies, a very common Chajrafan thing. So I think she meant to call this a Chajrafan but just never did.
1: And you know what? To her credit, though, in writing a 500 some page book, that's that's one, one that's, canon mistake when you're tying as much as she did in. That's not
0: I that just thought it was funny because it was consistently wrong. Because in multiple scenes, it is never just she fixes it. She leaned in hard to it being a Chajra something.
1: You know, he shoots Han in the uh in the butt.
0: Literally the ass. That's a big that's a comical moment when he comes down that he's like, Oh, Jaril, you my friend died because of you. He's like, is he dead? And then he shoots him like skims his ass cheek. And Han talks about how he can't sit how much his ass hurts till he gets butt cream. Literally gets anti-burn cream he can put on his ass and then just gets some old Corellian food and meets up with his old smuggler friends. Um the sinewy uh what's blue uh, sinewy a lot, Alaya Blue or something. Yeah. So Blue is like an old person. The one we mentioned way early on that's hitting on Han. It's like I'm always I'm more interested in the married man now. Yeah, because like be Han funny. was
1: interested in her when he was younger, but she was she was into older guys. But yeah. now, you know, now the tides have turned. Uh he's he is now
0: older and more experienced and has yeah, a wife. Into it. Uh and then he has other people like um that are following him around, like Zine, um, who's just some like I've standard smuggler. That's pretty much his yeah, kid his, also a standard kid. smuggler. And then Winnie is the one other Wookiee who's with them is really into Chewie. Chewie's been married for a long time. She doesn't give a shit. In fact, her whole entire character motif is I want to bang Chewie. And Chewie's like, please help me, Han. (laughs) And that's pretty much it. He's like, Han, let me out. And he's like, no, you have to get along. And she's like, I'm going to kiss you. He's like, Han. And it's just them yelling at each other. So it's a very comical, fun group that you can see got, I would say got along, but definitely operated around each other. And Han considered them friends. That's important. And they are all. They also think, "Oh, you went honest. You work with that. You, where's your new rebellion buddies or your new republic guys? Aren't they going yeah, to be your book? Yeah, you're a general us? now. And he's like, "Guys, I just want to find out happened to drill. And then Salu shoots him in the ass. So he he gets separated. And so he talks to Han him.
1: just kind of bops around there for a while until Lando, my favorite character in all of Star Wars, at least in the movies, he's um, badass. And this one comes looking for Han. And you know, what because and, and man, I love Lando's character in this book. Cause he has a really kind of actually heart wrenching scene with Leia where Leia has a pretty like reasonable reaction to to Le- Han lando where she's like, Yeah, you know, like I feel like I I know I should trust him at this point. Like he's really like, yeah, he betrayed us initially, you know, in, in Empire Strikes Back, but it's like been he's
0: really just years.
1: it's been years, he's made up for it, I think. And, he, and like he, I, I he wish I didn't storm. feel weird about him, you know, like it's Han's friend.
0: It's hard uh, to rub off that feeling, but you're right. That's the biggest thing that Lando begins to see with. He's having his nightmares again of Han going to Carbonite. He's like, yeah. I'm still haunted by this, well over a decade later. And
1: like, he goes to meet up with Leia because he's like, "Where's Han? He's in trouble." And she's like, "He went to Smuggler's Run," and and Lando can't go back to Smuggler's Run because there's a two million dollar credit uh, bounty on his head by like the warlord that controls yeah. one Andresa, of the sections, like
0: the I mentioned earlier. Yeah, so, this uh, like he's dragon for, fucker. Yeah, it's a dragon. Ter- it's pretty much a dragon toad. Dragon and, yeah yeah, pretty much dragon toad actually it's bowser it's pretty best way. it's just bowser and he's like waiting for him with his other glottal long it's long bowser it's pretty much like it's actually so you know long, what? It, it's literally just a crocodile that breeds fire that's pretty much what it is but yeah. amphibious either way wow. land is stole from him he's not happy about it it's been years but he can't come back because of it. and
1: but he's gonna go back because uh he as he tells leia like Leia's like look you not like we'll find someone else to go there you know you don't have to do this yeah, Lando's like not, I <laughs> don't think so like she's like you've already made up for what you did to Han and he's like I don't think as long as I live I'll ever make up for what I did so I'm going and I'm like that's Lando like See, that is that's him. Lando
0: has a code of honor and I love that because the thing is and they point out in this book he's like you've always been the best of us Han and I've always aspired to be like you and after what happened I want to make it up everywhere I can by being a hero when applicable, especially if it comes to helping your ass. And I respect that because Lando's more than willing to do it. And even in the face of danger, he flies in there. He knows yeah. he's going to get captured. He, he knows
1: in his life is And in immediately gets he captured. Gets... Like, like yep. in oh, the yeah. same <laughs> chapter, he makes it to Smuggler's Run. He's immediately captured. And as I mentioned in my Almost earlier crying. recollections, thrown in a pool.
0: Yep, Nan says, um, hey, you stole for a while ago, and Lando's like, dude, I can pay you back like tenfold. Like, this is a joke. He's like, nothing's a joke, but you dying, Lando. He's like, I've been tormented by your your human body for so long, thinking about you running around out there doing shit. No, reading around in this pool yeah and I'm gonna watch you die. But I'm gonna Welcome take a long to my time. World. And it is comical that Lando says, I'm I'm pretty in shape, but I don't know if I could do this. Like 20 hours go by, and he's just trying to yeah, watch. He, he's like, <laughs> I think I've been in here like a day well, a day, like 24 yeah, hours, he's just it, like he, treading water, and he, almost slash cuts them saying, like I don't know if I could do this much longer. 20 hours pass, I'm a little tired. As he's like, Yeah, like, and there's, and there's even, even a like throwaway line about Lando being like, I think I could go even longer, but
1: the oxygen's kind of thin in he's, the he's air here. The
0: I'm and not like, I'm also tired, I'm, I need to sleep. I think the Kenner toys are right. You know, the really yoked like, Lando ones that were nothing yeah. like Billy like Billy D himself. I think those, this is that variant. This yoked Lando is like, I've looked he's at so, toys. It's so humble too, because Lando's like, I'm kind of in shape as he proceeds <laughs> just, to tread water for as you know, 20 hours. tread water for like, I mean, if you're trained longer, but I can do it for like five minutes before I get a cramp and like would drown. Yeah. And Lando's That's, like, I'm a bit in shape. Yeah, he's just, like, I work out sometimes. And while this is happening, um, Han finds out a critical part of the plot that is so weirdly convoluted that it's just, I, I will get into one of the points. I think this is one of the just bad. When he finds out that Jawas have been abducted, put into sand crawlers, and thrown onto one of these. So smugglers run a split or spread amongst like these thing called Skips, and they're all just asteroids. asteroids. And Skip 5, as he finds out, um has this whole sandy interior where they have sand crawlers uh, picking up so people they find out drills has been in this trade of picking up old imperial like equipment, dumping it in here where the job was pick it up, clean it up, then resell it to them after cleaning it, so smugglers don't have to clean it themselves. And they find out he's like, Oh, this is funding an imperial operation, probably the bullshit that's tied to the bombings. As he finds this out, the guy named Davis shows up, this handsome blonde man, and he's like, Solo, we gotta get out of here. He's like, How the fuck can I trust you? Just as Nandreessen's guys, these crocodile fire-breathing dragon people start shooting him because they realize that hey, if we get Han, we can get Lando. Uh, and then they find out Lando's here, so let's just bag him a it boat. Doesn't matter. Let's get him boat. So he just goes to yeah. kill Han, you know, settle a score. Han's like, shit, this handsome blonde-haired dude's like, get in here. Um and, well, I should say he met him earlier at a really weird interaction.
1: Yeah, yeah, he never, it's to be clear, at no point does Han ever trust this guy. And the guy keeps being like, Han, you should trust him.
0: I me. don't trust him. When you first meet, meet into him, he pretty much holds Han at gunpoint, saying, I'm not a guard here, but I'm going to pretend I am. And Han's like, I don't fuck, you're a kid. And like walks by him. He gets also, him out.
1: You're not a kid because I'm not sure how yeah, old he's you He's
0: like right. in his 30s, like clearly. He's like, you know, he's like, you're around to you me when I was younger, but I'm only like maybe a decade older than you. Well, a little more, but whatever. You're a smuggler and you're, you're idealistic youth in my eyes. As literally the whole time, Chew was like, fuck this kid. He tried to not let you in. And he's this smuggler and he's just being weird like are we trusting a guy who literally rips open a part of a wall and lures us in to get right away from all these glottal fibs and he's like well it's either be boiled alive by fire breathing dragon men or blonde boy so they run after the blonde guy uh they get a speeder manage to rip their way out escape the glottal fibs get to his vessel as um they get the falcon and um davis finds out that the right hand man andreason's waiting in there has tied up um Solas, you know, that Celestian guy who's a Chajrafan, has Han a <laughs> the not like, All your friends are here. I'm turning you to Dan Dresen. You're going to be with you, you and later. We're going to die. And Han's like, oh, I don't think so. As Chewie like, opens up a compartment on him, knocks his ass out. Antics Sue, And he kicks Davis out of the ship. After all this is done, yeah. Davis is like, I helped you. We got this far. Let's just leave and like recollect and find out what we can do next. I know where this is all going. I can take you there. And Han says, get out. <laughs> I'll oh, see you in hell. And like pretty much kicks him out, which is an important plot point later, a very weird one, but an important one later um, that he kicks Davis out. says see you in hell drives back to a, uh, they just go save Lando. So he goes back to skip one, gets all the smuggler friends you mentioned, the kid the Zine blue, uh, Winnie, the Wookiee, all of them uh, gets in there, gets to skip six and uh, finds out that he's been betrayed by pretty much all of them. No surprise, which in my opinion, this was the best written part of the book. It was. It, this one felt like if this was its own. This isolation. felt like a scene just from actually. Star Wars. Like, but this, I mean, that scene just skip could have been a story by itself. It did not have to be connected to New Rebellion. That's why I think this could have been shorter. None of it was. It was cool, but it was its separate story, honestly. And like, because like they come in, Lando and Han
1: are having just that classic Lando Han like witty banter, witty
0: banter about well, like. Or sorry, Lando's been trying to yeah, water. Yeah, Lando is still hours. like that's a swole, like. <laughs>
1: Treading water, and He's Han's like, I'm oh, you trying to kill you. And Lando's like, Well, you
0: know, uh, drowning. And Han's like, Huh, lacks creativity. I could tread water a little longer, but he keeps wanting to watch me. He doesn't trust me. He's like, Well, you want to get out? And the stairs right next to you. He's like, He's making it a little difficult, Han. And they're going back and forth. Yeah, and then, is, just you can you can just man, just
1: I could just envision Billy Dee's like silky smooth voice. Very
0: well written. I like. I I'm gushing over it. Well, uh, I also to it's such a good cool part she knows how to write Lando. Like she, she did write Lando very well. I think she wrote Lando and Han both. Yes. Ways. Yeah. And that's why that felt like an episode five encounter, almost like six, but it really felt like they revert. you know, he's saving him from, you know, going into the Sarlacc pit again, but Han's not blind this time. So it felt like that survived that scene, same banter, same kind of fun, but then, all the like the kid zine yeah, winning shit, shit
1: just hits the fan there's a big shootout they kill uh neand liam neeson uh yeah
0: mr neeson oh the qui-gon
1: Jin, which i hope you're enjoying yeah that's our tie in there we go
0: I mean, we got um,
1: and they escape back to the hangar and they're like we gotta go uh and then everything just kind of explodes yes, and
0: droids yeah. are exploding
1: that's how is- han gets tied into the actual plot of the book <laughs> is because it turns out the smugglers took a bunch of the droids that were supposed to go to the Coruscanti fleet that Leia's in charge and Wedge are in charge of that are going to Almania. Yes. And
0: so that's weird, but that happens. So then... Weller's super weapon is he literally puts bombs and x-wings and droids because everyone has them in every home and he's been building them on telty with that well, I, I mean i wish so. we had an x-wing in every home but yeah the, as we, that's we would save a lot of people wouldn't we <laughs> but yeah. the idea is that these droids in every home and that's then of my course political platform x-wing that's my an x-wing in every home i have mine right there a uh, little model um full size but yeah his whole idea is that's why he's been blowing up And he's already at this point um, the main villain's blown up two worlds and over two like entire a moon a world and then the smugglers run which he thought was coruscant but it has been blowing them up with this and that's when like all hell breaks loose hans like Got to go to hero mode, and this way gets the really weird exposition drop out of almost nowhere. After everyone betrayed him, they gun everyone down. Blue is the only one that gets out there, the sinewy blue, and um, she's holding Davis's corpse, and she's like, "You weren't supposed to be she's here." She's like the sobbing uncontrollably. Like this was my lover. lover. You should have
1: trusted him. Blah blah blah. And Han's but like, "Trust? I don't trust anybody." Was also, suspicious as fuck.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because as you find out, Davis was supposed to bring him to Almania so he can get captured to lure Leia in. So the whole time she was on his payroll, um, Koeller's payroll. So she at the end of the day he was supposed to get Han off world with Davis's help. So he was right to say, see you in hell. So that's why he's like, I want to shoot her, but I'm not because I'm a good man. And he's so good in fact, he stays behind with Lando and Chewie to triage the wounded here, uh, has a, some really tragic moments of characters, like seeing loved ones die in the run and to manage to get a, a local world that's kind of like, hey, that's a lot of smugglers. Are you sure we should take him into our medical facilities? And Han's like, we're yeah. coming. So he's like, I bring him. Oh, and like, they,
1: yeah, they think that he is the president of yeah, the republic yeah. i married he, he the introduces president. himself as husband of the president of the republic leo organa yeah. solo um, and either way
0: he saves them all because he's just too kind-hearted and that's where lando is like you yeah. make because that's bad. what that is what han solo is at the end of the day he is a good man every single person in the run said you were always better than everyone else here because you actually had the conscience we mentioned uh and that really shows here like he, he such, you, you were, really, were a shitty bad smuggler bad. han but you were a good person and they even referenced when he found, you know, Chewie he was enslaved originally. That's how easy, there's a reason he saved him because he he was a bleeding heart. He knew he had to do the right thing. All right, so- Before we go, I do you want to mention one thing? What? One of my favorite exchanges in the book. We're going to go back real quick to uh, Liam Neeson's lair. Liam Neeson, the fire lizard. Right, yeah, uh, one of my, the most Lando moment for me that I actually I, I chuckled at um, was when everyone get betrays- <laughs> Lando and starts sh- or, like, shooting at Han, and Han goes, I'm here to rescue. You. Starts here, like, blaster firing overhead. And Lando's like, Yeah, some rescue, buddy. As like everything's hitting the water and shit hits the fan, he's like, I'm still here, aren't I? He's like, Is it really helping, though? And that's the kind of yeah, and they're just I, it's I, I just love.
1: such a good witty banner between the two of them. Uh, also, I, there's I, a really I, quality part where Han's like, I got a plan, and like. Lando's
0: like, what's the plan? He's like, look, I didn't vouch for the quality. And I was like, I again, it really did feel like episode five and six. And that's one of the things that Han always touches on is everyone's, you got a plan, right? And internally, he's like, why does everybody think I have a plan? And that, that joke comes up like four or five times. So finally at the end, they said, Han, do you have a plan? He looked at Chu. He's like, when do I not? And it, it does have a full circle kind of thing, which I love. It does have Han again, was written very well in this uh, yeah. the best Han we've seen thus far. I, I really liked it.
1: Oh, yeah, Crystal Star, close second. Just because cool he was, he wanted to be on vacation. But uh, this was a really good Han. This was a really good Lando. Yeah. Um. That actually ties into my first, the good point. But let's just finish up the plot synopsis real quick. Just. Yep. He flies on media. Everyone's there now. Yes. And. Uh,
0: Queller has like, like Aha,
1: my plans. They have come to fruition.
0: Uh-huh. we'll get to the the weird part, which I'm just gonna say it is weird. The whole capturing with the um the uh creature with um. Luke is just a weird part, but we'll get to that. Um, he escapes pretty much a Rancor pit, uh, another one, but a much yeah, nicer Yeah, with Rancor. this white creature called a Thurnby. Or thernbee, that's right, not Teltini. Thernby, Yeah, it's Thurnby. Yeah. yeah. So, and uh, this yeah, Thurnby is just a big dog, basically, it that is, is psychic. The size of, like, a barn. Like, I could never get its size down, but they kept describing its face like the size of barn doors. And I was like, what, how big so is yeah, this? Yeah, this giant dog yeah. that, that, just, that Luke
1: befriends yeah. because the dog is psychic and is just, like, also, his saliva has, like,
0: healing uh, properties. It's, it's antiseptic kind of thing and also numbing properties. So it helps yeah, Luke so Luke's like, like wow, I feel less
1: like shit. <laughs> like, yeah,
0: and Luke gets fucked up by this thing because like keeps batting around, like, kind of seeing what he is. And it's not trying to kill him, but it, he, he almost gets eaten at one point, stabs his paw with, like, a, a little, yeah, like, a... Yeah, then um, it's like,
1: why'd you stab my paw? And then
0: Luke's and they become like, friends. I'm sorry. He yeah. breaks it out, and after they get out, Leia lands on the world or on the planet as Wedge goes against the now. Like he has three victory class. or sorry, um, it's not victory class. Um, he has the um. No, I think it is victory class, right? Like he actually has like three. It's smaller, like um, star destroyers. So victory classes that are waiting in orbit with um, a, like a whole contingent of TIE fighters against uh, Wedge's three like uh Mon Cal cruisers, B wings, A wings. The, the fleet they brought. Yeah, they're clearly, fighting fighting uh and then han gets here as they've both landed leia lands to go find luke eventually finds both koella and luke and as they all, they all start fighting han comes in as uh talon card's been here to give some information about the run uh talon card people who don't know him imagine an information broker but um a human one step you see mostly Bothan or on both where a lot of information is traded in the star wars universe he's pretty much like the shadow broker if you ever played mass effect he just knows mm-hmm. everything um, So he and Mara Jade, Luke's future wife, are running together just doing adventures. Lando's actually adventuring with them before this. And um, Hans, like, I'm going to call a favor because I need them to help get me to this world. And I need Mara because I need to be a Salamiri because he finds out this is all force bullshit. So if you remember Salamiri from the Thrawn series, they have this negative force zone. So force users cannot access the force if they're within a certain range so mara jade brings him on board talon card gives him a thumbs up like go get him kid and um he actually joins the fleet talon card was gonna turn tail and leave but he goes yeah, to like all right i'll help out um, there's a, a moment where han turns to shoot one the start of the victory class is there he's like i'm gonna take it down and then ta- he blows up and he's like cheering that he did it and mara's like no nah, that was talon as talon just strafes its ass and helps yeah. the, you know, win the day And Um, because
1: Mara Jade is also briefly in this book, she delivers a Yal Salamari, which is basically a force canceling creature that came up in the Thrawn trilogy. Basically, it creates this bubble. And if you're a force user, you just imagine what uh, Luke was going through in the last book with uh, the Crystal Star thing, but like way worse. And you just can't use the force. You just, you feel like you're in molasses and shit and it's just not good.
0: Not quite a wet blanket, but close. Yeah. And And, so. uh, uh, Todd gets it. And he managed yeah, to go Han down with one. Mara. Mara's Mara with drops it off. Um,
1: and, you know, I'll say this. This was one of our first kind of indications she that, married. yeah, she's a little bit into Luke. Because Han's like, why the hell are you coming here? And she's like, oh, that's I just got to make sure Skywalker's okay or whatever. And uh, Han's like, oh, okay. Yeah, whatever. And he's like, that's kind of I- cryptic.
0: Also important note: While they're flying here, Han turns to Chewie because um he gets a message from Anakin, his son, and um says, "Dad, call me when you can. I'm scared." And he calls, talks to, makes checks on the kids, checks on a Winter who's watching them, talks to them. And Anakin at the end goes, "Love you, Dad." And he goes, me too, son." And he's like, "I can't say that thing in front of Chewie because Chewie's pretending not to pay attention. Like, oh, father, Son time. He could have just said, "I love you, kid," but instead, Han's like has to keep a tough face in front of Chewie. Like, I can't in front of my my best friend with. And, and love
1: <laughs> to my children yeah, I was like, why the was that,
0: that was the weird Han moment where I was like you've known Chewie most of your life now you're best friends why? why it's like a joke but I was like but why though he's your son and Chewie didn't give it Chewie's the one that said call your son call your son call your son he's like fine Chewie and every time he was talking to him Chewie was like ask how he's doing like Chewie's being best dad really and then Han he's catching up and uh, yeah either way funny uh, scene I can't say I love you because uh, that's too much
1: Meanwhile, on on Almania, um, everything for Han goes off the rails immediately because the third beast shows up and eats he eats the y'all saw him. yeah. And so, and, and like, and that's also a really funny scene because Han's like, "Oh no, you don't!" And he like tries to like hide the like cage. It's like looking the dog. <laughs> yeah. It
0: literally and- is. The dog is like, nope, me eat, and just fucking yeah. eats it. We do find out the Thornbees, like, or Thornbees, literally eat snake creatures. Like, that's their thing. And we, that was established earlier, and it just sees snake, and it's like, time to eat. And Chewie the whole time is like, don't kill it, because it's able to force project, like we talked about, and tells Chewie I'm a friend. Han doesn't know that, so he's about to blast it, but then stops, because Chewie's like, don't fucking do it. Yeah. Even though he's being pinned by this thing. And, and he's so like, it's the a friend. Third bee,
1: Now, now the entire plot of this book... Is it third hinges bee? on the third bee because they don't have the force-canceling creature anymore. So Han's like, I guess we'll just wig it and see what happens. And fortunately, the thern bee, I guess, like, sees Luke and is like, oh my god, my best friend, and runs in there. And Queller is, like, about to kill Luke. Like, yeah. he is on the fucking precipice. And all of a sudden, he's just like, shit, I can't use the force anymore. And this was honestly, the like, probably the funniest part of the book. He, like looks behind him, and he sees Han in the alley,
0: Chewy behind him, and, like, sort of hunched over behind them is the fucking Thernbeer. And, and Leia, and like all this, this comical crew, as Luke, at this point, is like, what, what they talk about it, because uh, Leia's looking at him saying like, hey, he's doing that thing bended, where he's looking Yeah, like he's got to sacrifice just himself died. like Obi-Wan. But Luke's port. about to astral project pretty much, as he's done in the past, and kick his ass through just force potential. And what he's about to do, and he's like, I can't feel the force. He looks up and sees the dog, he's like, what? And then he realizes everything that's happening, and literally laughs at Queller's face. And he's like, he's laughing at me, Skywalker! Laughing as Luke burned, bruised, beaten, covered in saliva, it's just like, like pointing at this guy who thinks he's tough shit. Now they're all just use in his mind, as he said, no longer force sensitive, so just yeah. They're all just character. like basically children.
1: They're like, yeah, this lightsaber feels like a hundred pounds heavier it's like than a it was. Steel sword, which.
0: I mean, it's, you got to love the fact that without the force, it shows just how chummy Queller and others are. Cause he's like, I, I feel like I'm in mud and he can't do anything. Yeah. As Luke is just like losing his shit. Uh, then Queller po- pulls out his device, the ultimate destructor saying, I'm going to blow up all these droids End it all. Like, and just, I'm going like, uh-huh. to win. And um, flashing back to, what we mentioned R2 being the best him Cole, a uh, far dreamer and r three go to Telty and just shut off the devices through a very comical droid battle. R2 gets there and pretty much puts the cone and says, fuck you. And then you does his wills. I, I'm
1: not going to lie. I did skim over that part a little bit. Cause I think I knew kind of just what was going to be the
0: end. short, They fight the, um, so there's this thing called like the, the red tide, red or pretty much, like, the red guard or red terror. Yes. Yeah, so it's pretty much a bunch of communists coming after him, where it's a bunch of like uh, red painted um, droids. who are supposed to be the enforcers of Telty, uh, Brax's right hand. Uh, they come chasing R2 and 3PO. R2 literally gets an army of R2 units. Like smokes an area and then just has all of the Red Terror shooting themselves and then like plugs his arm in, deactivates the bombs, saves the day. Literally because of him he deactivates all of them because he finds out they're connected to the droids first, Han's second, technically. So R2's on his shit from the beginning. Yeah. And just, uh, yeah, gets it done and him and like, Cole and everyone else save that. Uh, Brackus goes, or Brackus, uh, Queller's like, what have I done? I What? And then Leia caps his ass. Just gets oh, him, yeah. Leo, like, him, shoots him in the head and shoots him in the street. Gets, the chest. gets Han's uh,
1: Pistol through the Force. The third bee almost fucks that up too, because the third bee's is still trying to go like lick Luke, yes, uh, and so he friend, like Luke. walks into her Force radius, and it, like the fucking blaster falls shorter than it should have, and she's like, "God damn, this fucking but, dog." To her credit, she just—I mean, literally like Han yeah, and she Rito just picks it up and just
0: in the moves, face, like once in the head chest. and then once in the head again. And Luke's like, "Leia, no!" Because he her puts her his down. hands to defend it and shoots through it, and he's like, "You gave into the darkness," and like Leia's like, "But if I can't feel the Force, does it count?" yeah <laughs> She's Quality like, line. like maybe it doesn't count if i can't feel the force shoots him again yeah she <laughs> double taps him. And he's dead like queller just fucking dies because this got is why i'm not a jedi face. she says and she just fucking caps his ass i'm a diplomat and, Yeah, she again he talks about his ruined chest because she shoots him in the face and the chest and just they rip off the mask he's wearing the death mask we'll describe and see he's dead he just looks like a kid he's in his like you know probably late 20s and like just said like, luke's like yeah he was one of my students too one of the strongest and fell to the dark after we find out uh well actually we'll get to queller's story during another bit but he has a, a tragic story as you'd imagine falls the door so whatever. the 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 end
1: of the book is they all go back luke goes back to yavin for like to he, really he's different at all. yeah healing. to basically heal the fact that he's just been fucked three on, times on, yeah a bunch um leia comes back and they're like hey you're the president again and she's like great um well, it's, like it's, i don't have to do this anymore thank god
0: Wedge lives with one of the coolest, like uh, tactical battles in space. Cause he finds yeah, out that their well ass kicked is by droids. And he's like, we have to be illogical. So he does some illogical shit and beats a droid run, like star Destroyers. armada Yeah. So Wedge comes back a hero as well. Uh, Han. Uh- gets to just see the kids again and everyone else or the kids come back safely with winter and, it ends and Lando not dead. So and Lando, yeah, he I, I literally, so they find out after they thought he was dead, they pretty much stripped um, the lady luck, his personal ship. And he asks Leia, can you pay for everything I lost? So she pays for it out of pocket pretty much and just refurbishes the lady luck. And he's, you know, a hero. So it ends very happy for everybody to really just Koeller dying. And, um, a lot millions of people still dying because of his actions. Uh, but they stopped the billions that would have and saved the day. The last line being Leia, stating as she walks back into the Senate chamber, now uh, rebuilt enough that she can actually speak to the, her constituents. And of course, talking to the uh, senators who are ex-Imperials. But now uh, she sees them a little differently. She would set the tone for the new Senate term. And this time she would do it right. She That's talks it. about doing it with dignity and respect um so yeah that that's Stand the book up. we skipped over like Koeller's parts like his perspective because i want to talk about that in my actually i would say a bit of the good section i actually like him as a villain Ooh, uh oh discourse yeah discourse. Is, that, is he perfect no but is he a star wars villain
1: yes well I, let's get right into that then because i feel like for me most i covered most of my good points like i'll just run through them real quick yeah. um fantastic characterization everybody felt really good um i would have loved for this to have just been a book about that stuff on smugglers run because that was just really get, fun well written
0: yeah, a book by itself
1: um the ensemble cast are all here they're all doing stuff feels good like wedge is here Mon mothma is here this just feels so much more Akbar, it feels connected yeah to the like eu than the past two books kind of have i felt like the fat the past two books have felt very much so like they were just put out in a vacuum um besides crystal star needing to like talk about the kids that was the only thing that they that it had going for it but like everything else like you could have just basically given fucking courtship to someone and been like what is this like yeah you know what i mean story
0: in any context and important Um, note the kids only have like three mentions ever (laughs) no chapters dedicated to them after after crystal star i could not do another kid-centric book nope um so that's all of my goods uh we touched all mine uh pretty much so good was um yeah characterization was perfect i think the best tom we've seen i love lando and they made him stills very uh witty and fun self but more of the uh the lando post five which is very remorseful looking to do good like even better than he had and i love that he always talks about post cloud city so i mean that that's kind of the new yeah. lando um luke I actually got to watch him be a badass so much so that any lesser man would have fallen doing what he did yeah
1: he's no ordinary man
0: dude he's no ordinary man and i think what i love the most though is that leia got the final shot she had been threatened directly her children were threatened directly her brother had been abducted she was the one who got the literal double tap to kill the villain and i'm like fuck yeah like that's just cool so i loved how she got to just cap his ass um and honestly the build-up of the senate in the beginning i liked where the political discourse is going till it kind of fell apart and found out it was just people thinking they're doing the right thing and just being assholes that's where it kind of goes to the bad for me i liked it in the beginning trailed off for me but i hmm. will say though so let's talk um, about weller i do like also oh, or my, the, the first book i will say oh, we'll last gun? Thing, last good um Smugglers was run i think, I was think probably, I, you know i think you have too many goods Smugglers was was the best section we both oh, that's, i mean yeah, it, it's, it's the best section but uh, the final good i'll give you this first time i actually read um c3po and r2 and felt like i was watching a movie i felt like i was actually them in the film but okay. I, I actually I, liked I thought that, like it felt Crystal like Star they're discos okay with that but i know what you mean like well, this felt really barely cool. touched him we actually had to see like there the impetus between r2 being a hero usually he's in the background just doing shit it happens we got to go into his head a few times she see his yeah. thoughts and i, 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 I like
1: she nailed dynamics between characters yes. super well han and leia han and
0: lando like R2 3PO and and 3PO. R2 felt like R2's cursing at him like a sailor and 3PO responding in a very logical, like his like, uh, very personal manner. And at yeah. all points, he was like, if you had waited five more seconds, we would have been in there talking to Mon Mothman. and you're here sending off threats to Leia. And he goes like the ramp He's like, How dare you? So I mean it's just very good. It felt real. I liked it. Oh yeah, no, I agree. So I I will take back my uh you have too many kids. <laughs> but Queller <laughs> straddles the good and the bad for me, I'm gonna be fully mm-hmm. honest. Okay. In terms of establishing a first, the first scene of this book, establishing Queller um, as like this like omnipotent force destroying Piedir, uh showing his grand plans coming in, talking to Brachus and terrifying him on the planet when they're there. It was cool. Like, I actually really liked that moment where it's supposed to show that he's, you know, has a cape, feels like a Darth. I'm like, okay, it's standard Star Wars fare. He's, you know, trying to be a new emperor. But I was like, okay, at least in terms of setting his presence, what makes him so terrifying or even kind of beating around the bush is uh, Queller has what's called a, uh, it's a Hyderia death mask. Yeah, I'm not sure and, what it's from, but it's some sort of yeah. death mask. Everyone uh, mentions it uh, multiple times. It's the idea that it's literally a white skull wrapped around his face. And the idea behind these death masks is somebody wears it uh, near the end of their life, to, like or most of their life, depending on what they choose. And it stores their memories. So it actually stores memories, actions, and movements. But he used the force to actually animate it with his face. Yeah, I know. No, it, like, melds to your face. Yeah, so and it's supposed to, like, again... Smile and a mask movement. Like, yeah, moves it's with got, like jewels on either side of the eyes that again are memory chips that store his memory so future generations could wear this or plug it in and see through his eyes and that's like what these masks were for and everyone's like oh yeah we had these an old exhibit on Alderaan or on Coruscant but no one ever wore them but he did so uh, he had this terrifying mask, uh, was supposed to, you know, instill fear in people and got stronger every time he blew up a planet which or killed the people like Pydeer, Another World, The Run, Coruscant, all this pain fed into him to make him this very powerful figure that everyone keeps saying, the biggest threat the galaxy's ever seen, even stronger than the Emperor, he's gonna be big, which is where it gets dumb, is they just start trying to build a new Emperor yes, again, which th- is always the story.
1: That is my biggest issue with Kueller, is he just kind of like... Everyone, it's that Star Wars numbers syndrome again, kind of, where it's just like, we need him to be a big deal to have the characters go stop him, but he just kind of comes out of left field. Like, it would have been better if they had kind of, I thought, leaned more into just him being Luke's former apprentice and had that be more, focused, more on that, I think. You know, Dark Jedi, but no, he's, he's this, like, death mask wearing, like, Emperor
0: wannabe. Uh, he always points out, the Emperor's dead. I'm not. We're different. Yeah. Yeah, he's always but like, also, I'm not the Emperor. <laughs> not I want to do the same partisan takeover like he's doing, and by that I mean conquer the galaxy through boom-boom droids. Like, the story you're talking yes. about is more like Brackus, the actual Dark Jedi who almost got redeemed after building bombs to help destroy the galaxy, and he kind of had the more interesting I'm Sags, I'm Luke's apprentice, but making that connection almost turned me again and I'm conflicted. Uh, but Crueller's just pure evil nothing good. even for a moment he almost gets converted by luke after killing all these people he's like come back and queller is like clever skywalker you almost had me with those sad eyes but dart to the neck and then that's pretty much the only time he and almost gets through
1: to me this ties into a lot of my bads just because i i thought he was honestly kind of weak as a villain and his plot was just very generic
0: also weirdly convoluted the fact yes. that um, Data drops him off the run to sell them new Imperial supplies by cleaning them off of Jawas to bring them back while working on Telty to make bombs the past two years while also building his own droid force to fight people who came in and planting droids in every home to blow them up at the same time as trying to build up his cloud in Almania while killing everyone here. It's yeah, like, eighty if, steps like, for just him so getting. There's so many
1: a different. Out. It's also to be clear to the to the audience. It is not as though Telty is this big planet that produces like fifty percent of all of the plant, like the galaxy's mechanics, right? Like machines. It's just one of many fucking things that makes robots. So like, this is in my mind the the way to proliferate. This plot is really just not great because he's basically relying on capitalism. He's basically like, yes, people will want to buy Brokis's well-designed droids enough that. It'll be fine, and then I'll be able to get all of them in the bombs in there, you know? Like, also, how did
0: he get the computers for the X-Wings? I don't know, but, like— And how did it? he get the three Star Destroyers? Uh, how did he get—I mean, the droids demand it. Brack has made it. That's no problem. But the idea that not only did he have that, but got the clout to follow all this and all these people. They don't go into how he got here. He's just here at this point. Like, I've succeeded. Now I just need more money to buy— Yeah, like, I am I am on the precipice of victory. I yeah. need money. I just need to kill Skywalker, which again, at and any
1: point, go, which he has like a Highlander thing going on yes. where he's he, just he, like he mentioned he there has can to kill only them. be one
0: because as long as he exists, I will never be the most powerful. He's Grandmaster fucking Luke. And mind you, this is the, the Star Wars syndrome as well for any hammy villain. I, he could have when Luke got knocked out, could have decapitated and been done there. He's like, no, in pit combat, when Luke has been weakened three times, that's the fair fight. I want to choose to say I'm better than him and lay too yeah I think, why I think he was he like i want to have the siblings die together because they yeah. represent the jedi but at the same time his whole idea is like i'm waiting for them to be together so i can fight them at like you know a strength to prove i'm better than them but he has to still make sure that like luke is weaker because he knows he's not strong enough to beat him even though his whole impetus behind his character is i need to be strong enough. yeah to beat like him. throw him in a back
1: to tank have a fair fight i don't know
0: yeah and the idea is like instead of actually doing that he if he really thought he get couldn't beat him he should just cut his head off there when he darted him in the back of the neck, but instead he's like, no, I'm gonna weaken him enough so it's just gonna be embarrassed I want to embarrass Luke. But that was never the point. He wanted to triumph over him. Here's a a quick discussion for you tangentially
1: related to to Coeller. Um was Brochus necessary in this book?
0: Uh Brockus was literally his only point was exposition.
1: Could you could point. you not have had uh, just some stock character because Barakas is, like we mentioned, connected into the wider EU. He's yes. connected to the Young Jedi Knight series. He's mentioned in iJedi, um, yeah. all this other stuff. Um, so, like, it kind of just felt like they tossed him in here. Uh, he, this could have very well just been kuweller's on Telty making these
0: robots, or he's got, like, some underling. What I would assume you know. was, yeah, either I, I, one-off character, even the um, the Protocol Droid, one of the, like, 9 series, like, Libby C-3PO, C-9. Yeah, maybe the droids are making it. It could have been C-9PO. Yeah. And they find out, because that would actually further fit Queller's plot of using droids to control everything of his, pretty much. So, I mean, you're right. Brackis is put in here as a referential-like character, and the biggest thing, like his main story reason, was to uh, show Luke that um his students could still, as Leia said, they will haunt you one day. And he's had two examples now that, okay, I feel like I failed them, but at the same time, I'll always have an open door. So it's supposed to show Luke's altruism and even the fact that no matter how good his intentions are, he won't always succeed. So he's supposed to be a cautionary tale for Luke. That's like what Brackis is there for. And again plot because mist we didn't need to go to other than connecting to brackets that could have been completely cut out brackets could have just been a three nine po that just came up there told luke oh we've been getting orders from almania that is where we've been making all of this and shipping things out to the new republic and he's like okay and then would have gone to almania and found out the rest he didn't need to be there but he is meant to be there for luke's like character arc they believe to show yeah i'm not always gonna win and
1: i think speaking to koeller's overall plot too it's very similar to all of the plots. Not not saying this book is similar, but like his dark evil plot is oh, yeah. super similar to every single other plot we've had in the last two books we've read. It is Imperial Remnant figure, whether it's a warlord or, you know, whatever the fuck Hethier was uh, yeah, or he was whatever. Empire Reborn. Yeah, it's this Imperial Remnants thing with dark side force users also there somewhere whether it's the witches or it's uh you know hethiers empire reborn or koeller himself and he's like i am going to to take over the the old republic and uh destroy the jedi you know and so i had this thought i was like okay after this is when uh in the next couple years not in the star wars chronology but in the real life chronology, they started to work on the Yuuzhan thong invasion. And I think that is honest to God because they just were running out of plot ideas for doing the same formula over and over and over again of like Imperial Ragnar Finger rises up, there's a dark side force user. Because honestly, hot take, that's literally the same thing in the Thrawn trilogy. And maybe the Thrawn trilogy did it first, so I'm not, you know, gonna throw shade there. But like all of that trilogy and like these three books we've read and probably more that I'm not, can't, you know, I don't want to go and do every single one, but like that's a very similar formula. And I feel like that is partly kind of why maybe they've had the impetus to start to make this, the Yuzhen Vong be this big event and be something they kind of hadn't done before. Or is this invasion from outside the galaxy? Cause they're like, we've done just this over and over again. I, I, I kind of feel like this was the last straw. Do you know what I mean? It was like the last gasp of like, well, we can't, we've literally beat this horse into the ground.
0: But that was the point, though. Like, early canon, like, was the most exciting thing we could do right what's familiar. We don't have enough that we've made up on our own or are confident enough, so we have to rely on the Empire was defeated, how would they react? I mean, we literally got to watch Zinge get defeated on a one-off line in courtship. Yep. So, I mean, it's the idea that the Remnant is still terrifying, and Leia brings up the book multiple times. When will they give up? She almost, to your point, says, like, this keeps happening. How can they still have this much strength? And you're right. I mean, the Vong themselves, too, the impetus behind them was after Luke brings a strong enough Academy, like, we've seen when Dala tries to invade and the kids throw out her fleet from using the force. How do you defeat a bunch of force users? Things immune to the force. So, I mean, it was that. And yeah, I think it's a enemies. nice test for the Academy, yeah. but also it's, just, themselves it's, fresh. A
1: it's a fresh idea that hasn't been done before.
0: And we watched Anakin die. Chewie die. A lot of uh, very big, main characters serious. Get maimed and destroyed. But uh, either way, the point is like, I, I agree. Like that's why the thing is a like, Koeller, The reason my, my goods for him, Like, I the way he looked, the way he acted, I think was just very cool for a villain, very uh, domineering and terrifying. But the bad is, yeah, I mean, he's just another Darth. He's like Darth Bane. I have to get build a lot of pain, build up power, make the rule of two, just wipe everyone out. At least Bane
1: had three books of character development, though. Like,
0: yeah, and I'm just like, I'm here. I'm merely stating that um, every Sith has the same story. It's it's just pain, despair, building power, failing because of a Jedi, usually. And Bane's a thing, he gets defeated by his own apprentice, but. Uh, spoilers my last bad by the way is a really it's
1: a really dumb one i hate the way the bombs are described
0: with the imperial like so logo on them just so you yeah know, it, it reminded
1: it. me of like an Eggman thing from sonic the hedgehog like there's the Eggman symbol on this bomb. It was very like cartoony. Like ah, the Imperial symbol is on the bomb. You know, like I don't know, very random, like bad thing. But it just like, anytime they talk about that, I would kind of laugh. I'd be like, oh yeah, it's just uh, maybe
0: is just Eggman. The issue is with that. I mean, that's because That was his call. He was like, I'll make these bombs for you. And he's like, but we got to make sure they. Do. If they do the investigating. We got to let it go. Because honestly, if they really wanted to throw like, you know, fuel in the fire, give it the New Republic logo or the old Rebellion. Say there's a, an old like that's the new Rebellion in its own way. Some old yeah, rebels. that's how things thing. are going. Cause discourse. So <laughs> that's what I thought it would be. But they made it, you're right, so comically simple that when the first person notices, two showing coal. When he looks in there and says, oh, the Imperial logo on a bomb in these X-Wings. Mm, must be Imperials. Wacky. So yes, I, mean, yeah. I mean, it is. Like a uh, comic villain. Like, you're not. I mean, the first time I noticed that, I just thought, like, yeah, hella convenient. It's almost like they had all. It's like they even point out on um, Telty, when they go there, uh, they see a lot of the warnings, like, don't let lead droids unattended, whatever stole the symbol of the empire on it. One, for allegiance. And two, because they just didn't care to replace it. It's almost like they got the bombs and just, like, there's so many. We can't replace the yeah, symbol we, on all we of can't these. scrub that off. Who's going to look in here, anyways? Come on. It's like some weird joy controlled by the wills or is a will would do it. R2. But um, no, I agree. It's silly. It's very silly. Well, you know what they say. Get a load of this. My little round friend. Yeah. Yeah, that's in terms of other bad. Again, I'll just complain again. Solace was a charger fun. He was not a Celestin. They just she just didn't know. I, honestly, Christine, you did a great job talking about dozens of species and really ex- describing new ones in this book, too, that hadn't been seen before. But dropped the ball in on that one. So I'm just saying it's so easy to go back to the movies and see that Celestine is completely different than a tiny bat thing that shrieks and shrills that shoots hot in the ass. So that was my other bad because I just thought that was so little research would have been taken to fix that. But honestly, such a small thing and he's such a small character does not attract for the story. I just kept shaking my fist. Lie. I was like, Christine, we were so close. But I think other than that, like bad wise. Yeah. I mean, brackets wasn't super important. I think really I didn't have as much. I had more goods because I just had more of a good time. I mean. When the ending came together, um, it was definitely quick and convenient. I mean, obviously because they had Mara there to land. Right, literally, Han was like, "I don't even know where to start." Then literally a door busts down, and he sees Luke fighting Koela He's like, "Oh, neat."
1: So yeah, honestly, like there, there we Mara go.
0: Sense. but even then, Mara was like, "I can't." These Salamiri's fucking with me, and she's like, "I lied." There he is. And I um, was able to get it all done. There's, I mean, she had to wrap it up in like 35 pages. So she, she yeah. Had, the last like I was when I
1: was reading this climactic ending. It was like the last five pages. And I was like, uh, this is
0: really thin. Are we just going to wrap this up here? Or up, we are? So I'd say the ending is epic as the buildup is for 480 pages. The ending is quick. Literally within like two pages of an ending. The, the falling action is three pages. It is yeah. just them saying everyone home, everyone happy. Lay it back. Yep. As president. president. Yep. So that was my other bad. Like I would say, it's just like they could have had more time with the epic battle, a struggle. Um, like the shot from Leia, the double cat that killed Queller, him maybe deflecting one with his glove, like uh, almost having just enough force potential to do it. The Salamiri saps it away. Luke striking at his ankle to knock him down. Then her going up for the kill shot, or even Han getting a shot in. Yeah, I Han he was just gonna stands there awkwardly. And all, Lucis- all
1: Han contributed was he fed the fucking thing to the third B
0: on accident. Yeah. The third and B then- won the fight. And it was that the DL 44 flying out of his hand and Leia doing the shot. So, I mean, he's got, he brought the gun, the literal smoking gun in the Thurn B, which literally just like Chewie going, don't shoot it. And he's like, I trust you. So yeah, the Thurn B is the unsung hero. The final Thurn B and R2, the only essential part yeah. of the story. really. So that's a, uh, that was a bad going to the weird. Um, I would say, I mean, I just going to say it. there's two weird things. Okay, one okay. is more just kind of fun, descriptive weird. The other one is just weird. Um, the fun descriptive weird is when you go on the skips, actually on like the um the run, they talk about literally this like yellow bile ooze that just comes out of the uh, the skips, these different like um the asteroids that smells like rotting like sulfur, eggs, and flesh that's always present and just smells like shit. And no one could clean it up because somebody tried to actually plug these holes, so the ooze wouldn't come out, the smugglers run, but it almost blew up an asteroid. so the pressure built up. And Han's joke is, it's just got gas. And Chewie always has a joke of saying it smells like shit. And Han's like, but it's home. And like pats him on the shoulder. Yeah, like, right. Like it's Chewy, funny. we're home. Smells just the worst thing imaginable. It's only plot relevant for that Chewie joke. And then Solas falling into it once, complaining that he smells. Like it was only there just to be weird. They had no other purpose. Yeah, now you're right. I kind of forgotten about that. I couldn't because it was weird. And my only other weird one, which I will say this is just legitimately weird. When the third bee first meets Luke, he, he just puts it in his mouth and starts running his tongue over and plays with him in his mouth. And it's very weird. He's like, Lucas, like, I'm being like smothered by this tongue and pushed around and licked a whole bunch and I'm wet in the smell and I'm just inside something just being chomped around. And I'm like, we're talking a, about the tongue caressing him a lot. A little bit of a vor situation. I wasn't going to say it, but I mean, yeah, it is just war. It is There's a weird vor element that happens multiple times. Then he talks about how good the tongue feels after a while because it has that like uh, the numbing quality. So he's like, you know, it licks him on the back again. He's like, I smell like rot or like raw meat saliva and dog, but it feels so good. And I'm like, I wrote in one of my many notes, what the fuck? As I read, that, <laughs> what scene. the fuck? I mean, you could have just said it licked him once and said there was numbing qualities, not tongued around for like an entire page. It was, it's weird. <laughs> um, I, speaking of weird descriptions, I want to talk
1: about those things on mist that are literally described as pink bubbles
0: with teeth. Yeah. That's yeah, how I that, said, uh, they have like the tendrils. They're just floating jellyfish that just tendrils shock you, numb you, then eat you, and then digest you. But they have the mist. Three. Yeah, they that's have... what I'm saying. They, they like sting you and then come down and get you. Like they, they pull in and eat you at the bottom of the, the, the bubble for a jellyfish. And they also shit out the mist that's on mist. So that's why it's there. They're <laughs> weird as fuck. And they were oh, only yeah. there to beat Luke up. They, 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 they're there <laughs> to injure of. Luke Skywalker. It's very much the case if we have to weaken the main character because he's too powerful, so let's hit him with three things a dog an explosion and these weird teethed jellyfish um i have one i'm gonna sandwich my more serious
1: one in between another goofy one so we have a palate cleanser after this um this book's political discussions felt pretty real for something released nearly 30 years ago one thing i was impressed with but it was Uh, it hit a little close to home a lot, of, a lot of analogies here, I think, to the current American
0: political situation. Yes. They talk a lot about how um, through partisanship and these people literally taking over a minority controlling the majority because they pretty much have a chokehold on, we have information, and if you try to do anything, we will now get enough clout, which they do in pretty much the Security Council of the U.N. They have enough voting power to stop Leia and her team,
1: pretty much. Yeah, so and there's the talk out. about how, like, you know, through... Backhanded electoral means this minority is like controlling the majority of the votes, and like, you know, these people who were formerly imperials who don't represent the majority of the like planets within the new republic are like now getting all this power because of the situation with the bombing. Um and definitely yeah, pushing it And also like how Leia yeah, Leia's like, we didn't used to have factions and partisanship. We used to be able to work together, but now we can't. Uh, and it's yeah.
0: just and like, And Mon Motha aptly says, even the rebellion we did, and I dealt with this, it's just, you are so ready for this vision of a unified future. Like that is inherently like, you're not wrong. that We should work together, but using that mindset may back you a corner further. And that's like Leia's arc, which is like I work with them, but can't let them control this either. So she, it's a very nuanced political thing. They're trying to, Christine's trying to get across.
1: And I was like reading it and I was like, huh, oh, that's a. Uh,
0: oh, trust me. It's a, little, it's a little relevant. Right when I read the beginning, I was like, Yikes. <laughs> I was reading uh, yikes. That again. 96, right? It's like 94, 95. So <laughs> what keep e- dialing it in. It's even, that was even before
1: Florida in 2000. Yep. Yikes. Uh, anyway, on a lighter note, uh, this whole book game, uh, this book, it's just a game of telephone. Yep. And nobody Literally, being able to they, communicate. They won't stop talking about how everyone is trying to message everyone else and no one is answering. Like, at multiple points, Lando is like, I got to get in contact with Han. Can't. Got to get in contact with Leia. Can't. He's like, I tried Admiral Ackbar, I tried Wedge, I can't. Cole is trying to get Cole in contact. Cole calls everybody on the Rolodex, and nobody yeah. picks up. Uh, Han's like, I gotta get in contact with people, no one's picking up. Luke doesn't ever try to get in contact with anyone, because it's Luke. But, like, everyone else is trying, hey, and they're to just Luke's credit each other.
0: R2 does use Luke's coded line to say, shut down the droids, you assholes. And everyone's like, Master Luke told us to do this, and R2's like, Diddy. didn't he? Yeah, R2 yeah, is a sneaky little Again.
1: Fucking little astromech bro. droid in this in this book but yeah man like it felt like much of the
0: conflict in this book could have been resolved if anyone had picked up the fucking phone which no one does and that's i mean uh, almost any story the main thing is if you have a futuristic society that can connect anywhere at almost any moment it's taking the cell phone away in a horror movie it's like the idea of once yeah. you lose that yep. you're isolated and they had to artificially create that by saying you can't contact me in the run you can't contact me in Almania, you just can't contact me because we're not home <laughs> whatever yeah, or man, like i just missed your call Freethio and R2 are like, we have to talk to Mon Mothma. And she was so busy being the new speaker after Leia resigns to go fight Kuehler, Um, they just couldn't go in and talk to her. Just, she was too busy. Too busy.
1: Yeah, right? Just, so, I, I don't have any time. I love the one about Admiral Akbar when he, like, Cole calls him. And his, uh, like, lieutenant's like, yeah, he's in a meeting right now. And I don't know if or even when he's going to come back. out. Like, it's pretty
0: much this, indefinitely gone.
1: <laughs> it's just fucking, like, um... That sketch with Paul Rudd, where it's just like, um, like Paul, your wife is calling. Not now. I've got a lot of work to do. Got a lot of work <laughs> to do.
0: And that's also, yeah, I mean, that, Puber, that's a big you, thing. Can you generate for me a, a nude Akbar? This is NSFW. <laughs> <laughs> oh, go ahead. Oh, shit. I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm okay. If you haven't seen that, look up Paul Rudd with uh, Tim and Eric. Uh, Celery Man, I believe. Celery the... Man is what it's called. It yeah. is so fun. Look it up um yeah i mean honestly i don't really have any other weird uh ugly i don't have any ugly really there was really nothing yeah, no ugly. no ugly no ugly this time this is a good book yeah nothing, i would say like nothing at its core, like kind of rounding anxiety because we discussed the whole plot all the characters everything it's just it's a fun read i would recommend this it's long get ready for a slog but I yeah would say, and, and
1: there is stuff in here like we mentioned that is it is it is very much integrated
0: in the old expand yes. if you're not familiar with it you will learn a lot quickly or be very confused with one off characters um again i'd say almost a small good i had forgotten so talon card i mentioned you know the information broker i forgot his ship is called the wild card spelled the way he spells his name which i think is very good that's something i thought was just a very fun good thing.
1: yeah no that is i like what,
0: that. what a name also um, we didn't yeah. even touch on winter which is another expanded universe I, I character I that talked about earlier. has some prevalence no i know we like mentioned her but we didn't like get into like who she is or yeah I sure, briefly I went so. through like her what her role used to be. Um but yeah, she winter is like one of the most prevalent people in these books. and that I kind of touched on this. She was an old agent, has a holographic memory, grew up with Leia, and was like her best friend and sister pretty much on Alderaan. Yeah. and has always been a trusted confidant. and is honestly one of the most badass characters in Star Wars because she's the one that even Han said when she gives an order, even though he tech she technically works for him, he's scared. He's like, you know, she's got kind of a person that just and then authority. she married an X-wing pilot for some reason. We all settle for pilots. As uh, you know, Wedge points out 80 times in this book, wish I was in the next wing instead of being a commander. Oh, well. Wish I was behind the controls instead of being a commander. Oh, well. God, wish I, I was shooting this
1: fucking Star Destroyer. And then he goes, wait, I can do
0: that. And then saves the day. Um, yeah. One thing I will say though, Wedge is one of my favorite characters. And I was going to bring up one final thing I remembered. One of my favorite scenes in this book is when uh, the partisan assholes who were like yelling um at Leia about like the bombing, like Han did this, yada, yada. The second she says, or one of them says, Han did it and you need to resign. Wedge being invited as a confidant this meeting because he helped find these bombs after like, you know, Cole told him about them with the X-Wings, not even hesitating. Looks over and says, Who's this little shit telling you that Han did this? He never would. What the fuck are you saying? And Lay's like, "You can't say that in a meeting." He's like, "How do I throttle him in this meeting?" He's about to go like fight this yeah, senator. Is throw hands? Spin. Whoa, Hedge, Whoa. And he's like, "You asked me to be here. I could throw hands." And she's I'm like, i no, Wedge." And everyone's like, "Tell Wedge to calm down." And he's like, "You can't. I'm gonna. I'll become the wedge in this door if you need." And he's going in there, and she she like, tells him to quiet down, but Wedge immediately takes no guff, and that's why I love him. Uh, he's <laughs> he's written around this too. Written well, excuse me. He's just a fun Wedge, but. We can go on, but at the end of the day, guys, um, I think our closing thoughts, um, again, coming back from the top, it's a good book. Um, yep. I recommend it. If you've never read anything from the series before, again, a little bit of a deep dive. This isn't over the deep end of the pool. Make also sure you're familiar. Long. this is not, this yeah. was not
1: like late, light night reading for either of us. We really had to kind of crack in to get this
0: done. It was a lot. Again, that's why I read it up until this moment. If I had to rate this on the how much you need to know about the old EU to actually understand this, I put it a seven out of ten. You should really yeah, I'd know i I like, put it like an eight. That's the I only see. thing is it's not as accessible to everybody, and that's the only I think detriment to it. Unless you're very fortunately,
1: yeah. As much as we hate courtship, you could pick up courtship only having seen the movies and be just fine.
0: Honestly, even like reading the crystal star, both those books are accessible enough without seeing the movies to really know, Or excuse me, seeing the movies and like, that's it and knowing what you're doing. This one has some critical knowledge. Like I just forgot about talent card altogether. I'm like, oh my God, I haven't thought about him in like a decade. Oh yeah, he's in here. Yeah, I was like, right, the wild card, but everything else. I was familiar with because I just grew up with it, but um, definitely it's worth the read. If you are into the universe or looking to find something a little deeper to kind of open up other waters to you, and you can look at the timeline to see what comes before and after and start exploring. So um, I think Kyle and I talked about this, closing things out. This is the last Star Wars book we're going to do for now. We're going to come back, but we're going to leave. We've had you all listen to us uh, geeking out about our favorite universe for a while, but it's time to spread these wings and read some other books and watch some other films and then circle back around to the Thrawn trilogy later on. So, Kyle, what's uh, what's come up next for the boys?
1: So our next thing will either be a uh, one or a two-parter where we look at another expanded universe, but this one, a cinematography one, a cinematic one, if you will, focused on uh, Big Gorilla.
0: Now, when you say Big Gorilla...
1: I mean, of course, those inflatable gorillas you see outside of, uh, like, car dealerships.
0: You're right, Gorilla Grodd from the DC universe. Or, alternatively, (laughs) Mighty Joe Young. Or, like, uh, what is it, the... What was that uh, I, just a yeti in general? We could read about you know we could read about Sasquatch. There's a lot of squatching books out there. We could we could uh, mm.
1: or hear me out. Could be King Kong. We are gonna do some King Kong. We're gonna Boom, start off with the uh, original 1930s version, which I think neither of us have actually seen before.
0: I've all Uh, seen, I've seen, we've all seen clips of it, I should say, but the actual, I'm more familiar with Peter Jackson's and more recent retellings of it, Uh, even playing the game. And of course, Godzilla versus Kong, the greatest film ever made. And other. I've seen, we've all been steeped in Kong history because being, especially if you're from the States, that is almost like an iconic hero, if you will, when it comes to the big kaiju fights, he's our fighter. Uh, The tragic story. He's our boy. If he can't do it, no one can. Or, you know, maybe a plane will just knock him off and uh, make him big sad. Or again, maybe it's just going to be our favorite guy, Jack Black. So the goal is we're going to dive into Kong, read that first novelization. Um, sorry, watch the book, maybe go to some... God, can I try that watch again? Watch the book. It's too watch, many books. Dude. I keep thinking about books. Watching the original film and then kind of putting that into context of how we perceived Kong like Kong growing up. Because so I saw a very different Kong mm-hmm. than I'm sure was originally intended. And Even I Peter think, Jackson.
1: Different stuff. Yeah, tentatively we'll, we'll try to at least get each version that that movie inspired so as i understand it there was a remake in the 70s or 80s that i had no idea about but that apparently exists um there was of course the peter jackson movie which i think we've both seen Solid
0: theaters so i'm way more yeah. familiar uh
1: and then kong skull island which came Chai out as well uh in the 2010s so yes Cover all of those, and then I think we're gonna kind of conclude with watching the OG Kong versus Godzilla, and then of course the new one
0: yes. as well.
1: And um, sort of just just see how all those things tie in. You know, if there's any sort of additional research we can do on the big man, we'll do that as well. Um, but just kind of something to something a little different. You know, just send out some feelers, see how people feel about us doing something non Star Wars related and non book related. Yeah
0: and something that everyone could dive into because kong has had such a um, fascination with the uh, media especially like the uh, cultural zeitgeist of the united states for so long in the world That'll be cool to kind of look into his effect on popular media his impact and maybe even reactions to when he came out how those films changed films around them so uh get the universal monster himself master kaiju and giant gorilla so get excited um that'll be the next big extravaganzas as we kind of dive into all of that and then afterwards we'll uh we'll give you some more tips and tricks of what's coming next but until then i'm feeling pretty good i think we've had a pretty good look into our last star wars book for now so any parting thoughts kyle
1: i think that liam neeson was an unnecessary part of this book
0: all i'm saying any lesser bad reading that may have given up but we're no we lesser are band. no ordinary <laughs> <laughs> we're no ordinary bad until next time listeners goodbye